back to the Baker's Dozen Podcast. We're up to ev- episode 7 now, and this is our little flavor of the mon- month. I already messed it up. The flavor of the <laughs> month section. Damn, you um, just fucked all that up. Yeah, I know. It was my, it was my time to, be, to perform, too. I already messed up. To I be totally fair, I feel like we need to just rename the segment in general to Flavor of the Week. I think we fucked that up from the start, where originally... Well, flavor, was, of the, flavor of the Week was my joke, though. Remember the American Hi-Fi Classic? Yeah, but the, the problem is now if we do this where, what, it's only been two weeks, so we're not even in a new month and we have a guest on, it's like this... This kind of defeats the month purpose, and now we're just in a new week of... Yeah, Flavor of the Week probably makes more sense anyways. We're going to stick with month, probably. We're already what? this far in. <laughs> like, yeah, this we, far we, in? Yeah. This is our second I feel like guess. I shouldn't be involved in this process that you guys are going through I mean, right you're now. the guest. We kind of we need your input. <laughs> you're, you're kind of important here. In fact, what do you think of the name The Baker's Dozen Podcast? Um, I get the Baker part. Where's the dozen come in? Uh, so we're going to have 13 episodes per season. That's a Baker's dozen. I see. Got it. Uh, well, I just assumed Baker was related to donuts. Is that not I mean, true? Yes. Yes. I assumed it was some, I, I figured it was some combination of like two. two well, my old podcast was the bakery. So now this is the Baker's okay. dozen. So <laughs> now we are producing actual donuts to supply to the public. Uh, we totally cut your intro short there, Drew. If you want to continue, that's up to you. I mean, I already bombed it. I mean, I guess. I <laughs> but but this, is, this is either the flavor of the week or the flavor of the month to be decided at a later date. But we have a guest here, Envy. Envy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes, it is. It is indeed a pleasure to have you around here for for those that do or for those that don't know. If you want to give a quick little opening. Hello. Hi, I am. And, you know, go ahead and talk about yourself. We won't we won't be mad at you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Not being mad at me. It's big for you. Uh, name is Nick. Uh, I go by Envy in the gaming community, but less and less people are calling me that as time goes on. Uh, I'm realizing I do a couple things right now. I work at a company called Beyond the Summit, which is an esports uh, broadcast studio in LA. I also have a podcast called The Yard, where we uh, just talk about nothing, four of us. I live with a Twitch streamer named Ludwig and two of my other very close friends. And uh, that's about it. That's, that's, that's probably the best intro I can give without talking for a while. <laughs> I mean, man, talking for a while in a podcast. How dare you? I know. Worst combo. <laughs> are you are you someone like like me that like if enough people do know you by name, do you prefer to just go by your name like you'd refer to me as Nick or do you like truthfully I have I have zero preference. The yeah. only thing I hate is when people call me Falco. Ooh. That that happens so much more than you would think. I, and I, yeah. fu- I fucking hate it. It's terrible. I really wouldn't have imagined that at all, actually. Like, it's, it, I'll forever be fucking jealous, and I, I want to talk about that if we have if we have available time tonight. But, like, the fact that you got that for both your Twitch and Twitter, I mean, like, that's a flex. But at the same time, like, that's also cringe as fuck. Like, Drew, if anyone ran up to you and called you Drunga, I... I think I'd feel sad well, for well, you. Well, well, here's the thing. Wait, wait, wait. That that this is not the same thing because a Drunga's, it's definitely different. Drunga's not a character in the game that we play. Oh, that's fair. And Drunga Drunga was like it became like a chant from like CT New England people. 
Oh, did you so guys? That's like, you yeah, started that's, chanting that's, that at your tournaments? Yeah, that's where it came from. Because Drew, Drew and G is my main tag. That's what... It's like if you somehow got the Twitter handle SpongeBob, and then everyone started calling you SpongeBob all the time. Yeah. 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 I would but your name was like... just like Greg. <laughs> Shout out to Greg, the SpongeBob player. I mean, shit, Nickelodeon All-Stars is going to have that happen now. Someone's going to get at SpongeBob or at Patrick, and they're just going to fucking try to live off that yeah. hype. But yeah, I think uh, I can very clearly tell how well I know someone, whether they call me Envy or Nick. I think like most people who call me Envy are people who I don't know very well, which is not a bad thing. It's just that's how they were introduced to me usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's now this sort of hybrid breed of person who I don't know at all <laughs> who calls me Nick, who is like yard fans. Yeah. Because right. a lot of them don't know me as Envy at all. Um, so that there's like a new hybrid breed it used to be like when the only people who knew about me are people in the smash community it used to be that like if you called me envy you're probably someone who doesn't know me very well if you call me nick you're probably one of my closer friends mm-hmm. um but now it's kind of all changed but i have no preference <laughs> even if i don't know you I, I don't mind being called my name uh, which some people like weirdly have a problem with yeah i was actually wondering about that for a minute just behind like the the concept of like anthony and like slime it's like do do people like yeah he's a good example he, he hates it yeah he hates when people call him anthony who don't know him i yeah. don't understand it at all because it's like your name uh but <laughs> which I to- i've told to him before i've been like it's literally your name i don't know why it would bother you that's fair. uh but i think i kind of un- understand the idea that like in the gaming community to like say someone's real name is to sort of so like silently skip a gap of being familiar with each other uh before like introducing yourself um but i just don't care about that and i think <laughs> he cares more at the end of the day yeah it's it could definitely all be like a personal preference within that um i mean i know you didn't want to so much talk about yourself but you're not getting off that easy i mean definitely for those that that don't know him there's there is a lot behind behind envy or behind nick here uh, within you know video content within gaming communities within just his personnel he's got a lot that he's done within uh, the scenes that he's been a part of but I want to kind of talk a little bit about the prior two so like mm. you know video or not so much video, I guess yeah it is videography and cinematography which is what I think people that do pay more attention to you know most about you um, from what you do where did that stem from so growing up were you big into like video cameras and different types of photography cinematography things like that so oh man so when i was like when i was like 10 or something or like nine i think uh i just wanted to be a youtuber really bad and uh i'm 25 now for for reference um i just wanted to be a youtuber really bad and i asked my parents if they would get me a computer so i could learn how to video edit and they did uh which you know i'm very lucky as a 10 year old to like be able to ask your parents for a computer and get one Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i immediately started learning how to use imovie uh and was making like youtube videos and like random little videos for fun then a few years later i think i was about 12 uh asked to go to a summer camp to learn the adobe suite oh that's actually that um, so I learned Adobe After Effects, Adobe Premiere. Uh, I went, I went for a few summers in a row. So like 11, 12, 13, I went to those camps, uh, which were pretty hype. Cause it was like these, they were held at like UC Irvine and they were like, uh, these like joint, like, cam- there's like a camp where I had like a bunch of joint classes where like some kids are learning game design, some kids are learning video editing, some kids are learning like whatever, but they're all generally ages 16 and lower. 
Um, oh, cool. And then, uh, so I made a couple like shorts through that camp that like I started sort of got my footing on. Um, and then around the age of like 13, 14, 15, uh, I started getting like closer to high school, playing a lot of Call of Duty at the time. Uh, you know, like I feel like most video editors slash uh, video guys in esports had had at one point been making Call of Duty montages. Uh, <laughs> I feel like so many of them I meet like start there, <laughs> and so I learned like a lot of the more heavy compositing and like motion graphic sided stuff from uh, working on that. I made a I made a ton of I made like hundreds of Call of Duty videos when I was like fifteen, and then. Uh, in high school i remember like i wasn't in the film club i wasn't in like any sort of film class i never took any and i was making a ton of videos at the time just for fun with friends or whatever and i had friends who were in the film club who would essentially like like steal equipment for me like i'd be like hey i need like a camera can you like go get a camera and they're like yeah sure and they'd like take it out of the room and give it to me and then i'd go do projects with their stuff and then bring it back and give it to them that's a homie right there Um, and uh so i did a bunch of stuff in high school off borrowed equipment and i've like it's funny i all the way up until my professional career in uh cinematography and like event videography i never owned a camera uh wow and everything that i made was on borrowed equipment or mom's old camcorder or like i have like i don't think i have it here but i have like a little flip minnow i don't know if you guys remember yeah, those. i remember like, the flips <laughs> i had like one of those that i made a ton of videos on um so like between that camcorders and like really expensive borrowed gear, I, I never had a camera. Um, and, but at the same time, I was always much more focused on being a, I wanted to be a, a, a motion graphics designer and a uh, visual effects artist uh, when I was 16 ish, but I never thought about doing that professionally once in my life. It, it was just something I liked doing a lot. Felt like a um, hobby. It felt like, it felt like less than a hobby. Like it oh. felt like something that I just did in secret and was doing for like 10 years, but just never made money doing it anywhere. Um, until around the end of college, uh, I started getting, I started like looking around at like some of the like content in smash. Cause at this point I'm like pretty deep in the smash community. I, I got, I joined the smash community in like 2014. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the, the precipice of like doc kid and like, I, but I didn't, I hadn't seen the doc when I got involved and I saw it after. Yep. Um, and, uh, I was looking around and I was just like, damn, all content in smash is terrible. <laughs> like all the combo videos suck. Like they're only, they're only good because there's good combos in them, not because there's editors behind them. And yep. I was like, why, why is there, or the ones that have good editing, like they don't have good combos. Cause like the combo editors like use their own combos and they suck at the game. I'm like, how can I like, how can I like come in? and make something that is like actually good here because everyone here is like just sucks like all these other communities have like really cool creators like call of duty has insane creators csgo has insane creators like how can i start doing that here and so i made uh, a combo video for smash that did really well and a lot of people were like sort of praising it as like something they like oh my i've never seen editing this good blah blah blah. and like looking back like that project fucking sucked but (laughs) like the standard at the time was so much lower and i kind of like what i set out to do was like i just wanted to raise the standard for what people considered to be like good work in in this space and simultaneously slime had just recently got hired to bts um and it was sort of the first time that i had thought about the idea of 
oh, you can like go do stuff that you like for money. Like you don't have to like, I was in, <laughs> I was getting my marketing degree and I was like my last year of getting my marketing degree and I was like miserable. Like I hated my job. I hated like what I was doing. I hated what I was about to go do after I graduated. Had never thought about my career in a serious light in my life once at this point. I'm, I'm about to graduate college. I was just kind of going through the motions, yada, yada. Um, and then when he got hired there, I sort of had considered for the first time, like, oh shit, like you can actually do fun stuff and make money and you don't, your life doesn't have to be shitty. Um, and so I, uh, from the smash, from like the combo video stuff I was making, I got a gig for Red Bull and I was doing, um, editing work for like Red Bull's like fucking FGC stuff, like random, random shit like that. Uh, I was doing a bunch of like motion graphics for them. And then I put together a bunch of spec work for BTS and I sent it off and I said, Hey, this is who I am. I live with slime who you just hired. I'd love to work here. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I had an interview interview went really well. And then they eventually called me and said, Hey, we're canning the position. Uh, so like, we're not going to hire you, but we're not going to hire anyone else. So sorry. And I was like, Damn. fuck. Cause I was so excited. I thought for sure I had it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they just like killed it. And so, uh, I get a, uh, I get a call about a month later from them and they're like, Hey, uh, I need a photographer. Well, actually no, before that, sorry. It was, Hey, I need a, uh, I need someone who can come process a bunch of footage from a 360 camera. Do you know how to do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know how to do that. And I had never done it before. <laughs> um, I didn't even know, like, I've never shot on a 3d can 360 camera. I've never even like, whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know how to do that. And they're like, all right, yeah, can you come here in like 20 minutes? And I was like, I can be there in an hour. I'm a little far away. Realistically, <laughs> I could be there in like 10 minutes. <laughs> so I, I went on YouTube. I learned how to do it in 30 minutes. And then I drove there with the other 30 minutes. And then I did it. It wasn't that hard. And then um, they were like, oh, yeah, thanks for coming. Like, nice meeting you. Then they offered me a photography spot. They were like, hey, we need a photographer for Summit of Power, which was their Dragon Ball Z Summit. Okay. And so I went and I was like, yeah, I'll bring my camera. I'll be there. I just borrowed my girlfriend's camera who is a photographer. Okay. Um, and uh, I shot the event. And what I didn't know was it was their uh, trial run for me. <laughs> nice. Like they, they had another person there who they were also trying to hire and they wanted to compare us. Um, and I, I won the battle of, <laughs> Let's go. of people in esports liking you socially. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't have anything to do with the photography or <laughs> I the other person was so much more qualified at the time oh my that God. I have to believe that it was what what they told me was that they just liked me more and believed that like in a few years like not in a few years like in a year I would be better to be with at the company than this person. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, just even just like being a good colleague and someone to work mm -hmm. that works well with others is like such a valuable skill that a lot of I get a lot asked of literally don't have. I get asked literally all the time, like, how do you get a job in esports? I'm like, it's not like Hollywood. It's not like the real world. It is just, you need to know someone who is in a position of power and you need them to like you. You do not need to be overly talented or overly qualified because you will get there. Like you will, you will be put to work because all these esports teams besides with like the exception of 100 thieves, which has like a 80 person content team right now. Yeah. Um, like no, no joke. That number is not a joke. Uh, I believe it. Almost all teams in esports are extremely small. You will be put to work. You will have a lot of projects. You will get a lot better at what you're doing if you want to get better. You, but you do not need to start off good. You just need to meet someone who likes you. Yeah. Uh, it is so bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's I mean, how it works. People not... people want to be able to take kids who are hungry and want to be good at stuff, pay them what kids will accept, yeah. 
and uh, also train them to do things their way. That's like the dream that those kids turn into like beasts and then they stay with you. Um, that's why you see so many young people working in content esports uh, because they accept they accept much lower rates and they are so hungry to like live the esports dream. They don't have other options really. And if you can make them like really talented, likely they'll stay with you. I mean, yeah, it, it all boils down to being able to do something you actually want for money. Like I, I would. Yeah. And so I don't think it's a terrible, I don't think it's a terrible like gig for the kid. Like, it's just I think scary it's like, yeah, sometimes you're... when, when the kid is starting to become an adult and it's like, oh wait, but this $10 a like ten dollar a week or twenty dollars. Yeah. A week oh shit! Check. I accepted thirty k a year for my job. Yeah. Uh, and the and the industry standard is almost a hundred. Like, and it's gonna take me six years to get raises to even get there. Yeah. Like, and you might yeah, have to like live in L A. or something. Oh my like, god. Yeah. And you, and yeah, you have to you somehow live like, in Santa Monica with like below the poverty line in L A. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> the, some of the stories I've heard from like people I've like mentored or like friends who have gotten jobs elsewhere and like heard what they were willing to accept. Uh, even I, who was like very starry eyed and really wanted my first job, like declined my first offer by like multiple tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. Uh, because I was like, I, I can't live with can't that live number. That. Oh yeah. yeah like yeah. I would like, I literally like, can't live with this. It's like mathematically not going to work, yeah. but I've seen people who accept anything they're given because they so badly want to put the Yeezys on and, and work in esports. Oh, a hundred percent. Uh, it's so shit. But I mean, I think the, the work depends on where you go but mm. generally the work uh is plentiful not always fulfilling but uh if you want to get better it's a good spot to be in because the audience is very critical i think like esports fans are super critical of any content they they are more they're smarter they're more technically savvy they know when something is an ad immediately and they're just <laughs> like ready to hate anything you do if it is not the game they came here to watch uh they got a so, they got a screen to hide behind. It's always it's always a lot easier to be critical of something yeah, when yeah. you yeah. don't have to give a shit about the repercussions. But and they all they all walk it back if you if you say oh, anything yeah. to them. No, it's like a, if you go like if you go like, hey man, you you said that this video made you want to die in real life. Why <laughs> did you say that? What what didn't you Bro, like? Bro, I was about kidding. It was like, a prank. It was a prank. Oh, I didn't think, I didn't you'd, think see you'd see this. Uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, shit's fucking wild out there, but. That's... I saw I saw I saw today some courage courage had tweeted something about Halo courage GD tweeted something about Halo Infinite and someone like commented with like a really stupid take just calling him like an idiot for thinking this and the guy had no idea what he was talking about and courage like replies he's like is this really what you thought I was saying and the guy just like completely backpedals and tries to spin it into oh my god like I'm such a big fan and like yeah. totally ignored like this is the whole content the story of all our lives <laughs> yeah. it is so stupid i just don't reply anymore like if i well i i've been pretty good about not replying in general but like i know that like replying couldn't 100 percent not net me any benefit now because mm. there's so there's they either gonna walk back what they said or they're gonna double down on what they said in a way that doesn't even listen to your side no mm-hmm they have no oh, yeah. Reason. What's the There's point? No winning. What's the point? There's no point. They got no, they got I, what like, they wanted. They got your attention. The second I reply, they get what they yeah. want. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you almost started going into something there that I was curious about uh, in the midst of of the the kind of discussion about like going into cinematography and whatnot, and that is 
your your interest in the Smash community. I think truly from what I know about you and just, you know, the things that we've talked about, um, I know that you're a pretty versatile gamer as far as like the different games and things that you've played, at least within, I don't know, you can look at things as, as broad as like FPSs and then go all the way down to like, mm-hmm. I don't know, fucking Mario Party. You're like a, a top tier <laughs> Mario Party game. Uh, my magnum opus. So, I mean, that's another thing I'd love to explore here with you is just like where. So now we understand where the cinematography comes from uh, out of Nick. But what about what about some of the gaming? Where the does gamer. some of that? Where's the, the gamer g- at? This is this is I a think... gaming podcast after all. Um. It kind of depends how wide you want to go with your scope of the question. Like, when did I start Gaping. playing games? Like, when did I start like trying to be good at games? You know, it's good I, at games. I like I like the intro story. You you don't have to go as in depth with like the intro into like, oh, this is <laughs> sure. what spiked my interest in competitiveness. It's more, you know. Yeah, I think I mean the 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 quick story with gaming in general is that like I grew up with older siblings and I had consoles in the house from when I, the day I was born, mm. and uh, I was just instantly playing video games my my neighbors at the time uh also my age were playing video games so i i very quickly had like that rivalry with your friends that you always have um and uh when middle school came around and all my friends at school were had xboxes and i had playstation i got roasted in the fucking floor (laughs) for having playstation because at the time uh there was like Nazi zombies on like Call of Duty World at War like came out on Xbox first and basically all DLC for that like came out first on Xbox so they would all be playing the new Nazi zombies map and I, and I, could, I couldn't play it oh, and uh, they're all roasting me shut. so I went to GameStop and I remember it was actually the most insane thing I've ever done I went to GameStop and I traded my entire PlayStation <laughs> to afford the adapter that connects say, you to you're the not internet get anything. <laughs> on the Xbox because I already had an Xbox but oh. I didn't have an adapter for internet and that is how much GameStop gave me was enough to buy the, the LAN adapter to, wow. or the wireless adapter to play the game online. Uh, Those were like and 50 so I did bucks that. or something like that. 40, 50 bucks. I wanna say. That's how much I got for my PlayStation 3 back in fucking 2006 or whatever. Uh, They're doing and so great. I did, I did that just to pl- be cool at school. Like literally the only <laughs> reason was to be cool. And uh, very quickly I learned that all the, all the, like the, co- it was kind of backwards at my middle school. Like all the coolest kids were playing video games. Like, not like the movie where like oh all the nerds play video games and all the cool kids play sports. It was like all the coolest kids were like gamers and like skaters and like all whatever. Um, and I very quickly learned that there was like a a PR like in the school of like the best Call of Duty one v oneers. Oh and, really? Uh, and I instantly was like, well, the the coolest guy at the school is number one on this list. Like one to one comparison. I just want to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, and so I instantly was like, I'm going to be really good at this. And so I grinded the shit out of Call of Duty for a long time until it became like, until all the kids at school stopped playing. And I was like, wait a minute, I still like this. And uh, <laughs> I like continued doing that um, until I got like, like fairly like good and like notable in that community. And then I remember at uh, MLG Anaheim uh, 2014, I was watching Call of Duty and uh, Melee was on the side stream. And at the time I was actually weekly playing melee like all the time, but like, didn't know there was a competitive scene. Didn't know anything. I just had a flat screen TV in my living room and my friends would come over and we'd play either switching the controller off call of duty or melee against each other. Um, because it's a game I had since the day it came out. Cause I had older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point I had never lost a game of smash melee to anyone in like my <laughs> 10 years playing it or whatever. 
for like what is it like my 15 years of time playing it i just never lost to anyone okay um none of my friends could beat me my siblings couldn't beat me my neighbors couldn't beat me i had a huge ego and um this is kind of like piggybacking off this like feel like at the time like i also had a bit of praise in school for being like good at art and like good at these other things and uh like i won best artist in my high school and my ego was just like enormous uh for no good reason, but the reason at the well, time felt good because like everyone was telling me one thing. Yeah. And so I was like, when I found out about tournaments um, and I went to my first tournament, which was a, a tournament called SoCal pizza. It was like the sports bar where like they would hold it at a sports bar while the regular people attending the sports bar were there. Oh, no. So there was just like all these old biker dudes who were like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And then all of these nerds just like playing video games. Uh, it was so surreal. I would go alone. I had no friends who, at the time, all my friends who played with me, like didn't care about the competitive scene and like, but I didn't know anyone in the community yet. So I would go alone. And, uh, I remember my first tournament, I got fucking demolished. Like I, it wasn't even like, I couldn't touch a single person there. And this is the classic story of like oh, everyone yeah. who gets into melee. It's like, go to your first tournament get owned. You learn a lot. Um, but I was so stubborn that I just kept going to the same local every week, which was a 45 minute drive. Oh. I would go O2 every single week for a year. And I would just keep going O2, 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 O2. I couldn't beat a single person. And it, I re, it was the first time I had ever learned that I wasn't actually good at anything. <laughs> like, because I, I had come into wow. this community, like, thinking that I was amazing at something. And then I just learned that if you leave, like, the geographic circle that you start in yeah. and you just sort of branch out into the world and learn, like, when the broader community of something. Like, like, if I just would have paid more attention to, like, the broader artistic community, I would know that, like, I wasn't shit. And if I would have paid more attention to like the broader gaming community, I would know I wasn't shit. But I cared so much about like how my peers felt about how who I was and like what they told me I was that uh, I had kind of tricked myself into thinking I was really good at stuff without trying. Mm-hmm. Melee changed all that for me. Melee instantly made a switch and like flip in my brain where I was just like, wait, if you want to be good at things, you actually have to like work really hard and you have to like spend a lot of time and you can't just spend time. You have to like think about the thing differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I really knew how to knew how to like properly learn something until I had like tried to seriously learn how to play melee because you can like learn how to speed run a game. Right. And like you're fighting an engine that's just like always going to be the same, but like to beat other human beings who are like adapting to you and smarter than you and have been playing longer than you, you have to like be smarter and like be changing constantly. And you can't just learn something, get good at it. And then like, you're good forever. Yeah. It's like a, a process where you're like always thinking about it. I had never really thought about games that way before because I had naturally been good at them to an ex- to the level I needed to be to gain notoriety for them. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, Melee shit all over that. And I instantly <laughs> was like, I'm going to lab this game so hard uh, that like I can sort of prove that I'm I'm able to be good at things. Uh, and I think that's like what originally, well, I think, I know for sure, that's like what originally sparked the gamer gene, I think, in me and then made it a lot easier to get better at other games. Like, when I played Counter-Strike, mm-hmm. I think I peaked at, like, Gold Nova 3 or something, which is, like, I don't know if you guys play Counter-Strike, but yeah. it's, like, a pretty low rank um, in that game. And then when I got when I played Valorant, I, like, was just, like, okay, I'm going to take this game as seriously you as I took Melee. off in that shit. And, and I just, like, hit Immortal. Yeah. And I think uh, I think like Mario Party is another good example of, like, a game I got, like, really good at, which is, like, a silly game to get good at, but <laughs> uh, I got, like, pretty fucking good at it. Um, and I think everything just sort of flipped when I, when I realized I had that like epicenter or that, that, that like, uh, what's it called? The epiphany. Uh, I had that like brain that, blast. Yeah. That like that aha moment <laughs> of like, 
the second you think you're shit, you're wrong. And like, that is when you will stop improving at something is the moment you think you are good at it. And so I just stopped believing I was good at stuff. I mean, <laughs> if it's a motivator you need, I mean, shit. I, yeah. I don't know if I would call myself shit at everything. I'm going to, I'm going to try and hold at least one W per day, but you know, I, I get you. <laughs> I'm finally getting to a point in my life where there's things I think I'm good at. There you go. And, uh, we're rebuilding the, the self-confidence. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I don't even think I'm good at half the shit I do professionally. I just think that like I'm a lot more competent than people in esports. <laughs> but then I work I've worked on a couple of like like last year and this year I worked on a few of my first like actual legit sets and some of the people I work with I'm just like fuck man like I am nowhere near this guy. Hmm. Like like this dude has been has been making shit for 25 years and and is it's just so far ahead of me and it, that kind of now it makes me feel good like mm-hmm. That that feeling used to like piss me off and like sort of make me feel like I'm small and insignificant, but now it sort of humbles me and makes me feel like I have something actionable to work towards. Like, oh, like I want to be making stuff better than that guy. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I can like be make stuff better than that guy. And then I'm like, well, now what? And it's like, well, now I want to make stuff that I want to make with all the stuff I've learned and that, yada yada. That's yada. actually so yeah. funny you phrase it that way. I know you're familiar with a uh, shake drizzle probably through through LUT or whatever, mm-hmm. but shake i was gonna mention him a little earlier uh along with like you as far as like melee combo videos and and i know there's plenty other great um editors out there but like when i first saw a shake combo video that's like exactly what i what you just said is exactly what i tried to like kind of envision in myself and it took me until like maybe my most recent video that i even did to even remotely feel like i'm getting closer but like that's exactly I I know that feeling far too well. It's like I see what they're doing, and that's what I want to go for. And if you aim too high, you're gonna feel like shit because they're doing crazy. And it, same thing can be said for melee. You look at Mango playing, you go, oh, I want to I want to do that shit. And it's like, hey, oh, he, okay, hey, he can he can beat Marth. Why can't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Mango has that effect on like every Falco in the world, pretty much. But uh. Yeah, it's actually it's funny you bring up Shake cuz like obviously Shake is a good friend of mine now. Mm-hmm. And uh but I had a similar but entirely different I've never told him this. So if he hears this for the first time here, he's going to he's going to be mad at me. Exclusive. Um but <laughs> I had the same moment that you had with his stuff cuz when I was like sort of looking at the community and making the decision like I want to be better than everyone else. Um I was confused why so many people had liked what he was making. Because when I when I would watch his videos, I would say it's so simple. Like, oh, I don't see anything that he's doing that <laughs> I don't understand how to do. I don't see anything he's yeah. doing that, like, compared to another community is necessarily, like, revolutionary. Now, you know, that's not to put shit on Shake's name. Like, he's obviously, like, a legend. No, like, I'm taking that and, more. And melee me. communities. I'm taking that. But, like, for, like, when I'm looking at it at the time, I was like, I know I can be better than this. Mm. And I know that I can, like, show people that, like, I can make, I can sort of push that threshold. Mm. And, and I think, like, you know. Shake's also like a whole different type of beast now, especially sure. like he's learned so much over the years too. And like him and Polite together working on Ludwig's channel, it's like insane the amount of output they have. Um, but yeah, at the time, like he was the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like you look around at Melee comma videos, it was mm-hmm. like there was comma videos and then there was like, oh, there was a Shaker's or comma video. Like I knew that name. I knew the ones that he had made. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of like what I set out to do was like be like, yeah, I'm going to show everyone that like this type of video can, can come from anyone but there's like other types of videos that i think only can come from me and i'm gonna like try to do that uh which i think at the time i said i did but looking back i sort of look at stuff i've made and i'm like damn like i sucked <laughs> and and i felt good about that stuff at the time 
I look at my music I think like, like I, that. That's the mark of a true ha- artist. Yeah. You look back I, and you just hate everything you've ever done. I feel like that. I feel like that for like for combo videos. I I when I play, I try to play in a very creative way. With Fox, just making combos. But actually, Dan made me my first combo video. Um, we were still in college, right? We were it had yeah. to have been. So that was like probably like 2017, 2018. and then I look. Are we all at, the same age? It sounds like we're the same age. Yes, I'm we about are. to yeah, turn. We're all I'm about to turn. I'm about to turn 26 in like a week. Okay, okay. Yeah. Dan, Dan thought he was 26 last week. Listen, I'm not gonna let him forget up. that. <laughs> he forgot how to add. I forgot what year we were. <laughs> I couldn't do the math. All right, that's that's not fair. That's not fair, yeah. man. But but no, okay, I so have to I... remember three birthdays. <laughs> Why? What? All the people in the yard. I have to remember all their birthdays. Just harder. Why? Why do you have to? What? Don't you have each other? Well, you're on getting Facebook? roasted right now. You're getting you're getting roasted right now for not knowing what age he was turning. Listen, no, I forgot my. No, own no, age. he it forgot his own. Oh, I'm actually. Oh, I misinterpreted dead, that. Like, he he said that he said that he's he said that he's yeah, 26, and I'm like, really? You're older than me? He's like, I was born in '96. I was like, buddy, you're not 26 yet. Yeah, no, that's I, incredible. The math yeah. wasn't good, mathing. Good, good luck on that brain journey that you're about to go on. <laughs> Thanks, dog. Yeah, but. But yeah, so like I had that combo video in like 2017, 2018, and I look back on it, and I just look at the content in the video, not necessarily the editing, because that wasn't me doing it. And I'm just like, I really saw that combo and was like, yes, please put this one in there. It's gonna make waves. And yeah. and then I put one out. I think in the middle in COVID, and then I was doing some like clip dumps. But even now, I've been like, it's been like since. It's been like, almost a year because I think my last one was like, I guess, I think it might have been last November I did clip dumps. Your, yeah, your last one was in November. You did the last oh my God. clip dump. Past that, you, like, have, last, you last have a few November. clips and stuff, but I've not been, like a I've dump. been adding clips. There, there, some of them are repeats. I've been like... I've been like secretly trying to see if I just like throw like consistent uploads on like short things if they'll do anything. I'm not really, I'm not like oh I'm really gonna level up my channel or anything like that. It's more just like a fun thing. But but yeah, I haven't put out. I've been playing Slippy so much, and over the last year, I'm like, I don't have enough combos that I'm now like, oh my goodness, my standard is so much higher now that I'm like right. I don't want to yeah. put it out. If but it's not of... going to be something that's so sick. I want every single clip for you yeah. to be like, wait a minute. I have to watch this back two times to understand what I just saw. I mean, shit. That's the type of shit that hits different. That's, exactly. That's heavy. I mean, I, I don't mean, know if you want to you wanna lead us into the next topic or. But. Wait a minute. I was. Oh, wait, let me. Let me. But I mean, I'm in, I'm in a, cause you guys talk about this and you might even talk about, cause you guys have, we're in that, um, content creator discord, Oh, true, true, but true. I, but I'm in this, um, creative melee discord that like PGH Carol and a bunch of people are in and I go in there oh, yeah, that's and, funny. and I see the people, the stuff that happens in there. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. um, go- like, um, use con and like all these other people that are putting out these things are just even it's not even the stuff that makes it to Twitter and makes it to these videos, but just like, Oh, I was experimenting with this technique. And then someone else like hops in and like, does it with another character. How the hell are you guys like thinking this fast? 
And it's like, yeah, that kind of shit's always blow my mind. Yeah. So just like seeing these kind of things, it's kind of the same way with like editing is like, this is what they're doing. What am I going to do? That's going to like stand out. What, mm-hmm. what, what difference am I going to have kind of thing? But this like, is, th- yeah. I th- yeah. I think like gaming, editing, like montage makers and like, like that whole, it's like a sub community. And I think that a lot of them have some of the worst habits uh, that video editors can have. And specifically, like, I think video editor is, like, this term that's been, like, sort of bastardized and means, like, 100,000 things now. It's, like, someone will see a video that's, like, entirely, like, video, like visual effects, and they're, like, the editing is sick. And I, I don't, like, necessarily blame them for, like, not understanding those terms, but it's more that, like, someone would be, like, I'm a video editor, and I'm, like, oh, what do you do? And they'll, like, tell me what they do, and I'm, like, none of that is video editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's crazy. Um, but just to use the term sort of broadly... Video editors, a lot of them in the in the gaming space, they don't necessarily have aspirations to like work in this industry. They just want to make like cool videos that people like, which is admirable. Um, but normally, most people in general, but also here, don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Like they want they want the satisfaction of like making the video and then the people watching it and the people saying this is sick. They want that like now. And the fastest way to do that is just becoming like what I call like a plugin junkie. It's just like people who they just look for the hottest like Adobe After Effects plugins and that's their style. Like their style revolves around these like plugins that you can put into the program that just instantly give you visuals. And like plugins are awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like plugins are like speed running like half the the visual battle most of the time. And like they also are like amazing for efficiency and getting things done faster. But I think they cause a lot of creators in this space to like skip over a lot of the fundamentals Mm -hmm. and like, you know, if you're not, if you don't like know what's going to pop up, if you, if you click every tab in the program you work in, then you probably haven't like worked in that program enough. Um, And uh, I worry because like, not I worry, but like I I was looking around and I was sort of seeing a lot of the work being produced in like other communities. And I was like, all of this is like starting to look the same. Because you can sort of notice when like a plugin gets really hot. Like there's one called like Pixel Sorter that got like really big, and you start seeing the effect in like every video. Okay. Um, like I've even used it before, and then it gets to a point where like that gets played out, and you move on to the next one, and there's just kind of like trends that get created that people mm-hmm. latch onto, and now there's like Discord servers of people who like sh- share the ones they found, and it's it, I I am like always truly impressed when I find someone in gaming who has a completely like a style that is completely their own Mm -hmm. because it is so easy to get praise from just kind of copying what everyone else is doing but it is so much more time effort and still no payoff Mm -hmm. like there's no payoff for making a cool counter-strike montage if that video gets a million views there is still no payoff like generally speaking might make a few bucks out of your adsense yeah yeah like like maybe if you didn't, if you happen to make a sick montage and put no copyrighted music in it, yeah. which is like, can you name one? Uh, then maybe you got a few, a few bucks off that. Or like if you're in the rare case of being someone who like was able to branch it into like working at Activision, like working on trailers and stuff. But yeah. um, the number is ent- insanely small. Yeah. And I think that like the, a lot of people in this space are plagued by like sort of the desire for recognition. And this has created like a... a, a this has created a phenomena of like scrapped edits as well, where like you'll see a lot of like editors posting like, Oh, I'm scrapping this. Like we'll probably never finish. And they post like a half baked video to Twitter. And I'm like, this isn't a project. This is just something you never finished. And like what you're saying is like, 
I can't stand the idea of no one watching this, but I also don't have the patience to finish it. And for me, I'm like, that is the single most thing that's going to hold you back. Like you have to finish projects uh, because you have to like be able to watch them in their entirety and be like, this is what I did wrong. And here's how I improve. And I think, I mean, I, I was in the same trap when I was younger, like when I was 15, 16, 17, I was doing all the same shit. And, uh, it wasn't until I started working more professionally that I realized like, oh, like when I was at summit and I was like making like, you know, I've worked on like, I've worked on like a thousand video projects at this point, mm-hmm. maybe more. And at this point it's like, you know, some of them are like, I was sleeping on floors to get them out on time. And I look back and I'm like. Like, I don't, I can't even like remember most of the stuff I worked on, but I can like very quickly point to like, oh yeah, I didn't know this until this project. And that's where I learned that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I like all these projects, some of them who are, that are like so boring and I have no passion in finishing and some that are like, this is the biggest thing or the biggest budget I've worked on in my life. All of them will teach you something that you are doing wrong or something that you could be doing better. I think that's where most people in the gaming space lose out on is because the only projects they work on are their own and they rarely finish them. Uh, but when they do, if like, if by some magical like gift, they are like someone sees it and goes, yo, I want you to make stuff for me now for money, which like, I think is starting to happen more mm-hmm. with people like golden guardians and like Panda coming into the space and like hiring everyone who's making interesting stuff. Yep. But, uh, and also in Counter-Strike, like a lot of the frag movie guys are getting hired because like people like watching them at majors and stuff. Right. Um, but for the most part, it's like it's kind of on you to like put that effort in and have initiative and like want to be better at this thing and not care about like the, you know, the like button going up when you release something and like getting the dopamine hit and then instantly being like, all right, now I got to work on something else yeah. so I can get that dopamine hit again. It, it creates some of the most like monotonous work. I see so many editors who are like, Hey, can you watch my stuff? And I watch it and I'm like, I actually can't tell if this is different than like anything else that anyone else is making. Yeah. yeah. But they're proud of making it. And yeah. which is like, you know, good. I'm glad that you can be proud of what you're doing. But if I were to make something and then I were to see like hundred of these come out with a video a week before mine, that was exactly the same. I wouldn't even release mine. I'd be like, I'm, this isn't an original idea anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I mean, a lot of this is a big reality check, and a lot of people, I think, do need to hear this. Hell, like, I don't know. I, I know in the visuals, I'm over here fucking losing my own mind because whether you mean to or not, you're talking to me right now, and that shit, <laughs> that shit hurts. But it's real. It's I'm like, genuine and real. So, so you obviously do like tons of crazy like video editing. It's like your job, and I know. Dan does a lot more. I I am like what you kind of described in the beginning is like someone who literally just does it for like the fun of this, which is fine. But really what and I feel like it's like the second or third time bring it up. I've started to learn more about video editing, doing like shitpost memes with like my friends. I'm like making video memes. I'm like, oh, but I mean, I'm at super, super basic levels of things like, oh, I like sort of animated this by having it move around and timing it with the moving. But these, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't even call them projects. It's like a two-minute video I make. Like, I mean, the people like, that were playing games. The craziest, like. the craziest thing that's like started happening in the last few years is like with like TikTok and like Stan culture and like uh and uh what's the other like um what are the fucking I'm forgetting fan what it's called or... fan yeah. cams. Like you'll see like if you go on YouTube and you type in like After Effects tutorial and you just click through some of the top results. 
they're like tutorials given by like 15 year old girls who are like hey i'm gonna teach you how to do somewhat complex animation in after effects because i learned how to do this so i could make a a picture of timothy chalamet bounce around (laughs) and like i'm like holy i think it's like incredibly cool that Mm -hmm. like I, I have, I'm like, all right, industry professional sitting in my chair at my office in the studio I work in. And I'm like, there's this look I want to go for. I know how I would do it, but I wonder if there's a better way. And I go look it up and then like a 15 year old girl teaches me how to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, this is insanity. Cause like there's it, all these new creators have been created, um, in the world of like, I think like what they're tapping into is something that I'm also tapping into, which is like, when they look at like Timothy Chalamet, they see like they don't just see a guy or an actor or like even just a hot guy. Like they see like something different and they want so badly for like other people to see what he looks like to them. And like what better medium than moving pictures, like the way that we perceive life all the time to portray that. And so they're like, they pick up all these tools and tricks. Some of them are just stealing what other people are doing because they like how it feels or looks. And like some are like saying, I want this to bounce up and down because I know that's how it feels to me in my head. And they learn how to do that. And they have no idea that they're like developing, they're like developing the artist's mind <laughs> while all right. they're trying to do is like shit post essentially. Yeah. Uh, like those are essentially glorified shit posts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think like even someone like, I don't know if you guys know Smiley BS, but uh, don't. Smiley is like this dude in the call, I'm no, sorry, in the Counter-Strike community who, uh, m- who makes these super high effort shit posts. He'll like, He'll take an entire movie or entire scene from Pulp Fiction and he'll mask out all the characters and then like motion track them into Dust 2 and Counter-Strike and like have them like interacting with things and like his he makes insanely high effort shit posts. But like even him who is probably just like like I want to make stuff that is funnier than everyone else because I'm funnier than everyone else. Mm. Like he had he had to learn so much just mm-hmm. to like see out the vision that he wanted to see out. Yeah. And if you look at all of his stuff, like people enjoy it so much. But if you ask him, he's probably just like, yeah, I don't know. Like these are just, these are just whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't even think I've worked with him. Like he's someone like that I've hired to do stuff for me because I like his stuff so much. And like, I can kind of tell that like, it doesn't really seem like he's trying to do this with all of his time. Um, mm-hmm. But you can get so good if you care mm-hmm. about yeah. like how it makes the end user feel more than you care about how the end user is going to make you feel when they see it. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, but some people like, I also think that like, it's just a great skill to have if you don't give a fuck about it. Like if you don't want to be a professional video editor and you don't care about like making videos for like a, like a life, it's such a fun thing to be able to do Yeah. because you can like take a video of your friend doing something online and just send it to him in a way that is like made funnier through editing. And they can like, you can create a memory between you and your friend by doing that in like, if you're good enough in minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, and I think that like, there's a lot of people in that category who that, just like, that's exactly where I am. Like we're literally like it's friends and I playing like old school RuneScape, and I like make mm-hmm. a meme or something, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, like just like Drew's video or something, and like that mm-hmm. sort of idea. Oh, now we have this memory base in which I mean, some of them take a little more time, but still, I mean, it's it's just strictly for like fun, like trying to do something like that. Even doing fun little things though, like you're still learning, and I know, like oh, when yeah. I've talked to you about that too, like it's it's dope to see because people can generate more and more interest into something from even just 
shit posting in the long term like even if it's just a a garbage dump or like an ms paint meme or some shit like you probably are gonna it'll lead you down like a path at least oh yeah at least i feel in most cases people will start to continue to develop something for it yeah yeah some of the first stuff i ever made was like complete horseshit like it like wasn't even like not just bad it was just like the video wasn't even trying to be good like the Mm -hmm. video was just (laughs) like I'm laughing at this thing right now. How can I make other people laugh at this thing right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and without just filming it and uploading it. Like, you know, some of it at, the, at first was like that. Like, I have, like, super old videos somewhere of me, like, with a cam, like, my mom's camcorder on a tripod pointed at my TV while I, like, played Call of Duty 4. Yep. And I, you can, like, hear my controller and my voice and, like, it's a full <laughs> gameplay of nothing happening. <laughs> uh, and... I remember like that made me feel special like back then like having that footage and watching it back made me feel like I had immortalized something that otherwise would have been forgotten and uh I think I recognized that very early that like what I care most about in making videos in general is showing other people things that I find cool and sort of not just convincing them that it's cool but convincing them that it's cool the way that I see it in my head yep like a lot of the stuff that I've made like for like melee for example or like for uh like combo video stuff or whatever um it all, all the, a lot of those just start with like i have a visual in my head i think about like falco falling and how it kind of looks cool to me and i'm like how can i do that and how can i show someone like not just falco falling but like i want to make that in my head i want to put it on my screen mm-hmm. and i can show someone else and then all right, how can i build a project around that thing and it's like what are that what song goes to that and i think of a song and it's like all right what does the rest of the song feel like to me and i sort of like build it out in my head first and then i'm like all right I know that this is this. I have the sickest video ever in my head right now, yep. and I can't convince anyone that that it's cool, <laughs> or or that the way I look at the game is any different than anyone else, unless I make. Let a video. me show you. Yeah, like a paint. Like I, this is my personal. My personal opinion comes here. Comes in here really hard, but like a photo can only go so far, and like a painting can only go so far. And in my opinion, like when once the picture is moving, it's in motion. It's paired with sound. And it's immersive in a way. It starts to replicate life in a way that is like so much more different than how deep you can get into a painting or how deep you can get into a photo that isn't changing. Um, it's not to say that those things can't be beautiful. I just think that it conveys emotion across the entire spectrum in a way that like most mediums cannot, or at least the way in a way that most that I have not been able to tap into with most mediums. Um, not to twist it away from what you're saying there, but like I know when I when I was in school, I did it for audio radio communications, and when we did sound design, we had to come up with a sound design philosophy. Would you almost call this mm-hmm. like a cinemata- uh, cinematic philosophy for yourself? Like how you? I would say it's like my artistic philosophy okay. is like I want to because I think like I find myself working on things that aren't video a lot, and I think that like my goal is always just like. I'm not going to really, unless I like literally have to work on anything that I am not interested in. And when I'm interested in something, I I have to believe that I view this thing artistically from a unique perspective and that there's no one that looks at this thing the same exact way that I do. And when I really like something and I think it's awesome, you know, when like you hear a song and you love it so much and you're playing it every day you're just like playing the same song over and over and over 2010 and you by go Earl. to someone else and you're like you're like you got to listen to this song yeah. and then you show them and they're just like oh, yeah it's, it's okay. cool and you're just like you don't get it like yeah. you don't like you <laughs> weren't driving down a hill 
when the drop of the song came in, like the first time I was listening to it, you don't have all those emotions in you. Yeah. Like you don't get it the way I get it. But you know if they were to like have that same experience of you finding it on their own, that they would probably appreciate it the same way you did. I think like I learned early that like I so badly just want to be able to take the way I connect to something and force someone else to connect to it in the same way through depicting it as accurately to it is in my mind as possible. And then like filmmaking is just tools to do that. Like le- the more I learn about filmmaking is just the more close I can get to accurately depicting what's in my head because you, you very infrequently get to land exactly on what's in your head when you're making videos. It's hard. I mean, well, it's maybe extremely it's, hard. Yeah. I was about, to, well, I don't know. There's like a part of me that almost wants to stop myself from saying that where it's like, it's hard, but I feel like, as hard as it is, you've almost you've kind of convinced me here that it's like no matter how hard it is, like fuck it, put the work in, and like you can make it happen. As hard as something can be, because sometimes you'll hear people talk about something being so difficult that like it's never gonna happen. Uh, but then there's there's shit that's like yeah, it's hard, but put the fucking work in, and you can make things happen. I I think I completely agree with you with so many things that are just lazy edits or lazy like video projects that get like put out there and a lot of the time it's because people do want that immediate rush on things but at the end of the day if they do see that future that you know we we talk about here where it's like you want the future in the in the editing industry you want a future in doing video production or editing as your your career put the fucking work in you're not just gonna get shit overnight yeah i think and i'm very fortunate to be surrounded by people at bts who are like equally as driven and far more talented than I am. And when I came into BTS, I was super out of my league next to my current teammates, uh, Dan and Andrew. And um, both of them were much older, had way more industry experience, had just done hundreds of thousands more projects than I had across multiple industries. And uh, there was a lot of times where at the beginning I'd sort of be like, we'd sort of set up a, like set up a shoot and we'd have all the lighting one way. And then we'd be like, we'd like look at, how the light is hitting an actor's face and I'd be like, all right, let's get recording. And they're like, no, it doesn't look right. And I'm like, I mean, we already set it up. Like, I don't want to like do the whole thing again. And I very quickly learned that is like the worst mentality to have Mm -hmm. because just because you did work does not mean that like you set out to, you accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And the way that they were looking at stuff back then, which is now the way I look at stuff was like, all right, we are not just here to shoot a video. We are here to shoot a good video. And we are here to shoot a video that no one else has shot before. And so if we just do the, you think we're just going to always nail it the first time we set everything up? Like, no, like it take you have to tweak it. You have to like see it on camera. You have to make adjustments, like yada, yada, yada. Things yeah. like when I was younger and like, you know, I, I started BTS when I like could barely even drink alcohol yet. Um, like I was like 20 years old. Wow. So, uh, or 21 probably just turned. And um, I definitely had like a shit ton to learn, but working with people like that on a team that small for that long on that many projects that quickly, I think I learned like exponentially faster than someone who works as part of like a larger machine Mm -hmm. because I was forced to be like, like at the time I was terrible with a camera and I was just a whiz kid with editing. Like it's really all my, I could do back then was like, I had never directed a shoot. I had never like, really used a cinema camera i had never like there's so many things i just had not done i'd never like i didn't know the words and the nomenclature for all the tools and all the gear and i didn't know like the onset words like the onset roles and i didn't know 
like so many things. And very quickly, my boss, Dan, was just like, yeah, you're going to do all that. Like, I don't want you to like sit around and be like, yeah, you guys can do the stuff you know how to do. And I'm going to do stuff I know how to do. He's like, very quickly, he was just like, I remember it was Smash Summit 7 was the first time I had directed anything. And uh, it was like the day before the event. And Dan's like, hey, you're going to direct this one. Um, and it was like this content piece called Never Have I Ever mm. with uh, it was like Leffen and Mango and like all these big players who at the time I didn't know. Um, and they're not people I was friends with at the time and not people that I was like comfortable telling what to right. do. Um, and so I wasn't necessarily like a fucking enormous fan or whatever, but it was, it was more like, oh, shit, I have to go up to Mango and be like, hey, man, I'm just like a kid at this event that you're at. But, like, you need to listen to me and, like, go over there right now so I can tell you what to say on camera for, like, four hours. <laughs> uh, and in that piece, it was, like, all these players I had never talked to before. And it was – I was t- fucking terrible at it. But uh, I remember it was, like, the most one of the most terrifying things for me. Just, like, having a vision in my head for, like, knowing how I knew I wanted this. Like, I, I, I've always been very in tune with, like, what I want at the very least. But it was very daunting to be in a to be sort of thrown out of the nest into a position where I had to not only achieve what I want to achieve, but be comfortable enough to tell Mango at the time, "Hey, you did that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do it this way instead," mm-hmm. um, and have him listen to me. Like that was like so terrifying. And you know, you do that for hundreds of summits, yeah. hundreds of times across thousands of pieces with all these different. You know, you get used to it, Man. but. Um, and I'm sure they do too. Uh, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't really have the ex- like, you know, if I were working in an industry like or maybe for like a like a an esports org that had a ton of people, I maybe wouldn't even find myself directing very often. Like I'd probably just find myself like editing, Courage JD's ads on his Twitter account or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how their their infrastructure runs. Not to diminish the work over there, um, but. I'd probably, do, I'd probably be getting really good at one thing. Mm-hmm. And a big part of like joining BTS for me was, because I, ha- I had other offers at the time, um, was sort of wanting to be pretty good at a lot of things so I could eventually hone in on what I wanted to be amazing at uh, and then work towards that, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, to this day, I don't know what that is. I just sort of know that at this point like i'm very comfortable artistically like where i'm at and like want i want to be a lot better obviously Mm -hmm. but i feel very in tune with the things that i like and the things that i want to create and i just want to keep sort of doing that until i get bored and i think like uh yeah i think i'm just like in a place now where i'm just kind of floating around and like for a long time you know this is no knock at bts in any way but for a long time working at bts it's like Oh, my job is really hard. We're doing a 20 man cruise job with three people all the time. Uh, and a lot of times we make stuff that like you guys have probably never heard of. Like we, we have worked on so many projects that took so much time and effort from like out of us that like no one will watch. Like we, we make we make content for like Counter-Strike Summit uh, where we like shot for shot parody a scene from James Bond with like like insane budget or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like this video has like fucking a hundred views on YouTube. Yeah. I learned like I learned being there after a long time. Like sometimes you just make stuff because uh, you want you want to make stuff, and then it doesn't really matter if people watch it. And if people do watch it, that's pretty lucky. That's cool. But like now I'm in a position where it's like if I make stuff, people are going to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, with the yard and like you know living with all my friends. Like 
we're now all in the spot where it's like we can kind of guarantee people will see it it's just about like wanting to make something that is good and the you know the the interaction will follow i've never really been in that spot before and uh it's very motivating because it's, it feels good to know that like my efforts will be rewarded instead of like my efforts might be rewarded um and now i'm sort of in this space where i'm just kind of like all right well how do I keep making stuff that doesn't suck? And how do I keep making things that are new and different than what I've been making for the past four years? And what is the, now like, okay, I'm kind of moving into a new space. Like now I'm kind of moving like out of esports a little bit and kind of into this like content creator world Mm -hmm. that I don't desire to be one, but I desire to like, how can I make something in this space that is like shitting on everyone else? Like, like how can I go make a commercial for mogul merch for like someone's merchandise that is just like so much better than Valkyrie's? Uh, or mm-hmm. whatever okay um and that's yeah. like that's like kind of where i'm at now is like a mixture of that and then also a mixture of like not comparing to anyone anymore and it's like how how do i get the yard on netflix like how do i get like Ooh, a sketch okay. show with us on netflix yeah. and that's like kind of where i'm aligned right now is trying to make stuff like that possible which i know uh i think it's funny enough today the day that we're recording this is also the same day i know you just you put out that uh, the i guess we could call it like a minor twit longer it wasn't as long as and we'll <laughs> yeah. see essays get posted <laughs> on there but you you talked about that and i think i mean i know from myself and even drew we talked about this earlier together but like congratulations on that at the end of the yeah. day i know working at bts oh, yeah. it, appreciate it it had to have been a great time for for what it was for moments and whatnot but to move on now working with mogul uh mogul merch and mogul money all that uh with ludwig and all them like that's awesome it is good to see i think i think you guys are definitely motivating a lot of people to probably go for this maybe not out the mud that quick and maybe (laughs) build a bit but seeing a group of guys a group of friends live together work together and fuck it like love each other like a like a like almost a mini family like it's it is inspiring to see that type of shit so i i can definitely imagine now seeing you what you're the you're the last step out of it Right, Aiden. Yeah. Aiden yeah, left was, already. The, the blood ritual is complete. See, yeah. see it's, it's funny. So I, this is my <laughs> interesting. I actually started watching the yard late. I actually was before I even knew you were coming on the show. Someone had mentioned it in another podcast I was watching. I was like, oh, like I forgot that was happening. It's like, let me like watch that. And I started like watching a couple episodes, and then Dan messaged me. He's like, hey, we're gonna. He's gonna be on the show. I was like, oh, that's sick. I just started watching, and like right from the get go, they're like, yeah, one of these days I'm gonna get him to um, end up working here, <laughs> and then yeah, literally and like the be- day behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and then the day that we're like, all right, here we go, we're doing it, and it's like, oh wait, now he is actually going and going to. <laughs> it's the day of. <laughs> yeah, I think like like behind the scenes like Ludwig has been asking me to leave for a while mm-hmm. and like the way we just depicted on the show is actually pretty real in the sense that like I've said no for a long time and the reason that was was just I just felt like I had so much left to learn at BTS and I wasn't I hadn't maxed out like my growth there yeah I think um I think I did somewhat max out my impact um like I think like the communities I care most about smash being like number one by like no contest. I think I left like a pretty large mark content wise on that community. And that was kind of what I wanted to do. There was like, all right, what's, where are we working and how can I like 
contribute greatly to that that space and i think smash content was pretty rough before bts honestly like even before yeah. i joined bts mm-hmm. something i loved about bts was there was there was like very obviously talented people trying to push the threshold of like what was considered good like all the all the content from like smash summit six and before which is before i joined was like amazing and like a lot of it was like even with when they they so obviously had zero budget and at the time the content team at bts was just these two dudes who were using like their own equipment they had sort of brought to bts (laughs) like it wasn't even like really a fucking team um and so uh yeah like I, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by people like that and sort of get to be a part of that team and contribute what i felt was greatly to that space and i think i somewhat maxed out that um not that you can't always be making bigger and better but mm-hmm. there's diminishing returns after a while um in smash mm-hmm. I, I, this, the, the scene is just not big enough to like really net like much bigger than like a million views or whatever or you know a big a bit of a bonus or whatever um it's not you're not gonna like the biggest thing you could possibly have happen is like mango tweets the video out and like a bunch of people watch it. Right. (laughs) And even that is like not very much like that's not like a lot of eyes. That's not a lot of cultural change or impact. Yeah. Um, And so I'm happy to say that like, I feel that at my my time there or here, cause I'm not gone yet. um, I sort of set out, I got to do what I set out to do in a lot of ways, but something that I never really got to finish was like feeling like I had learned all there was to learn we're in bts like fr- so friday lunch is the content team mm-hmm. um at bts so like me and the friday lunch crew uh are taking on like so much bigger projects now like outside of bts people always wonder oh, like okay. when you guys aren't doing summits like what are you doing and people think it's like we go into like a chamber and freeze <laughs> until the next summit comes and then we unthaw to like do content again and realistically it's like summit is like really hard and it's a lot of work and it's like you have one day to shoot 10 pieces and you have two days to edit all 10 Jeez. and then they have to play like they can't all play on the last day of the event like they have to play during the events like some of them have to get done the day you shoot them some of them have to get done the day after like it's a lot of work but like when we're not doing that we are still doing other things that are like that like like uh i can't say what it is but like right now we just wrapped on like an enormous shoot that will come out very very soon like probably end of this week maybe by the time this is aired um and like the scope of what we were doing is so much larger. It's the biggest budget shoot we've ever done. And it was so much larger than anything that we have done before. But we had like a week to like coordinate it and do it uh, pretty much. Wow. And that kind of stuff is happening like all the time with our team because just the nature of stuff is like people in this space are like so stupid and they're just like, they just come in they're like, hey, so we're a soda company and we want to promote at your event with content because you guys make content and we like it. So can you make something like this? And then it's like a commercial. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, yes, we can because we are capable. And, and then they're like, all right, well, here is $200,000 less than the budget that you want. And here is a month less time that you want to do it. Um, and we're like a company okay. trying yeah. to sustain and make money and do well and grow our, and grow the content team. So we're like, yes, we'll do it. And then we all group, gather internally and huddle up and we're like, all right, we signed up for this. Uh, what the fuck are we going to do? And we have just constantly been cap- like been executing on our things we've agreed to for years now without fucking up too greatly ever. And you get to a point where you no longer complain about having a lot of work. You just say like, all right, what needs to get done? And like, what can I start doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's not a lot of room, especially in live events. This isn't just the content team at BTS. Like with the live production side of BTS, like those guys are like all soldiers, guys and girls are like all soldiers. And there's not room for like complaining or being like, mm-hmm. like, oh fuck, like this is happening. It's like, okay, what is happening? And what can I, what has already been tried and what can I go try? And mm-hmm. you, you like sort of get that burnt into your brain. I think that's how you have to think all the time. Uh, we had a, we had a shoot. We did a, a monster commercial, um, and it was the it was a big deal because it was the first it was the first gaming centered piece that was going to ever be posted to the Monster Channel. Okay. So Monster has Monster Gaming. Yeah. And they have Monster Energy, and Monster Gaming is like a much smaller avenue where they or pipeline where they like they put like you know random shit that they're sponsoring, but Monster Gaming is like a multi million subscriber YouTube channel that has like mostly motocross and like all the sports that they sponsor. So it was going to be the first pieces that were on that main pipeline and so we had like a you know pretty big shoes to fill and like we had to make a we you know that like, like most people who watch that are going to be like why are there gamers here and like blah 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 and so you yeah. have to make something cool enough that they like it and we, it was a two-day shoot we never have two-day shoots all of our shit's one day because we never have fucking time for two days or budget for two days but this is like one of the first two-day shoots that we had and uh our dit that we hired which is basically the guy who runs uh media to a computer and dumps it all so that you have the footage safe um, before you go, um, something went wrong, and he lost the entire day one. And I remember, I remember, it was so funny because it was at the time, and still today, it was, at the time it was the biggest budget shoot we've ever done, and today it's like our second biggest budget shoot. Um, and looking back, I remember finding out that we had lost the entire day, and then going over to the director who was my boss and being like, Hey, so we lost the entire day of footage. Uh, and he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, so there was a media failure and we lost all of it. What do you want to do? And he's like, okay, um, let's finish out the rest of the day. And tomorrow we're going to come in earlier and we're going to try to shoot as much as we can from the first day and then go back to what we're supposed to shoot the second day. And no one was panicking. Like everyone was just like, I want to die right now inside. <laughs> I, I feel just the worst I could possibly feel. But everyone was just like, what is there to do about it? And we it's funny that the the happy part of the story <laughs> is, um, well, the sad part is that we the next day we tried to shoot the first day again. And it was like, it was miraculous. Like there's like shots that like the first day we're like basically making this trophy look very cinematic and beautiful yeah. by like pumping dust into the room and having glitter hit the lights and all this stuff. It was just colder the second day, so dust would fall instead of rise. And, like, all this stuff was happening that made our shots terrible. Like, everything was way worse. And, like, we had gotten, like, dirt everywhere, so, like, all of our shots looked, like, dirtier. And, like, everything's just going wrong. And we're just, like, this is so annoying. Because, like, everything the first day, we were talking about how, like, oh, it's just going right. Like, the first time. This never happens to us. Like, everything's just so good. Like, like, what, what did we do differently this time? Like, blah, blah, blah. And then... We lost all of it. The happier story is we sent the cards off to the company that makes them and they recovered everything. And we were able to sick. use the recovered footage with like a couple days before it was due. We were able to like get it all in and replace all our shittier stuff with nicer stuff. Um, but at the time, we were just like... Using what you got, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and it was very stressful. and it was, but, but everyone was just like kind of incredibly level-headed. I think that like you're not gonna get that with a lot of other crews and a lot of other sets. Like I don't think that's like a film world thing. I think it's like a BTS thing. Um, 
just the way that you're kind of trained to just be like ready to handle whatever problem uh, because there's just not time. Like normally when there's a problem with Smash Summit, everyone is watching the problem happen. So you don't get to like argue and be like, whose fault is this? Like you have to just be like, all right, well, 80 people, 80,000 people are watching. So how are we fixing well, it? Well, there's, there's definitely a psychology term for it and I can't fucking think of it because my brain's running on like three hours of sleep. But like there's, there's definitely a term for it where it's like if you don't outwardly express your fear, if you don't outwardly express your stress, even though internally you're, you're going through fucking hell even with like a team of people around you, if you can demonstrate and show like calm level headedness, you're going to radiate it and others are going to pick up. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that's just, I don't know. I guess it, it's another one of those things. That's like, this is another reason I love like interviewing and like talking to people sometimes. Cause it's like, holy shit. We, we as spectators watch so much of the stuff that you guys have produced and do produce through BTS. And, <laughs> and we look at that and I'm just like, I don't know. You mentioned the the never have I ever skit. I thought that shit was fucking hilarious. And if if that was a moment in your your career, at least where you were even nervous at first to to do a little bit more on like the directing side of things, you got me fucked up on that because it looks like everyone did great. You have other content pieces. I know as far as like CS Summit goes, and maybe maybe you'll have insight on this. The the skit they did um, with uh, oh my fucking god his name is escaping me the guy that did the the csgo gambling and then got like called out for it and then had to quit and then come back and he does the ad with the small child telling him like hey oh don't yeah gamble yeah yeah, yeah. Steel? steel that's it i couldn't remember his name for yeah. a minute there like that's good that's another one it's like i have yeah that one was right before my time oh okay because i was gonna say i have no idea how much time you guys might be spending on this everything that goes into it we as the spectators never know maybe people that have a bit of a videography background or cinematography background might be able to take guesses and and assume but hell you're telling me two people were on it before you (laughs) yeah yeah two people were were both of these guys like mentors for you or did you have someone above them 100 okay 100 like so Dan, my boss currently and who hired me has like been a mentor to me for the entire time that I've been there. He's like the guy that like when when the yard was like getting big and like I consider myself to be like a you know a professional and when like the yard was getting big and I'm find my, finding myself in meetings with like Spotify and like uh, Patreon and like all these companies who basically want to like say, hey, you guys are doing well. Let's talk and yeah. blah, 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 blah. I like instantly was like, I need to talk to you about this stuff. Like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't want to fuck myself. And like, he's like been a guiding light for me in so many ways. And like on set, like he's good at recognizing when I don't know something before I've said it and he'll come up to me and like in a way that doesn't like demean how I feel or like sort of make me feel like make me look dumb, be able to like tell me like what it is I'm supposed to be doing or like how to do it right or whatever. Um, And then like Andrew, who's my other crew member is like, it's so funny me and me and dan are much more similar me and andrew are like very dissimilar but me and andrew are complete opposites in a way that works so well together like me and andrew i remember i remember this moment we had this moment where we realized that i was doing all the stuff he wanted to do and he was doing all the stuff that i wanted to do it was a full bloom uh full bloom four or five i don't remember we me and andrew was the first event that uh we didn't send our whole team to do it was just us two and um we were doing a recap for the event that was meant to play after grand finals, but we wanted it to feature grand finals in the video. So Ooh. there's, which is a thing that not a lot of people think about is like when BTS airs a recap video at right when the event ends, right after grand finals, Sneaking it, it includes in. footage of that. Yeah, Like I, I, you're, you're basically creating blanks in your video that are spots for footage, you know, you want to get to go. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then finishing everything else. Um, and uh, I remember he came up to me and he was like sweating and he was like panicking and like we were, we were like behind and the video was like blah, blah, blah because he was editing it and I was like, you go film, I will go edit. And then we like switched and we like got everything done and we like hugged after <laughs> and he's just the type of guy that like he is so good at what he does. Like he is so like, he's the type of person that like is just always working is always on like always the time on work fucking a genius to right behind the camera super in tune with the industry and what's going on and like the different types of lenses and like the science behind why a camera works and like the science behind behind why lighting needs to be a certain way to look good on a person's face and like he's just like one of those dudes just like workhorse someone that i've been able to like lean on entirely when i'm like on set and i'm just like fuck i don't know what to be doing here i'm so tired or i'm out of ideas or whatever he's just one of those people that you can just like completely lean on uh, and Dan on the like the other side of that is like, you know, similar in a lot of ways, but also just someone who sort of built the idea in my head that like when someone wants an idea from you, it's just never okay to not have an idea. Mm. You have to always be able to provide an idea and be creative the second you're needed to be. And, uh, I got really good at that from just sort of not accepting the idea that not having an answer to a question was okay. And when someone says like, when someone looks around the room and is like, all right, we need ideas for the next smash summit. Like having thought about that question before I showed up. And then if I haven't, like I've just gotten to a point now where I can sort of just throw out an idea that I know is bad. Like you'll, you'll, you'll like learn from being in writing rooms that like, there's no room to be afraid to say a bad idea because it's so likely that your bad idea is going to lead to someone else's good idea because they weren't even thinking about that. And you have to be okay to like, have the entire room look at you and go like we don't like that and then still want to say another idea and uh that's hard yeah i think both of them were like enormous still continue to be enormous mentors to me in so many ways they're both people who you know and i can say like i don't necessarily think i've taken a mentorship role in their lives but i definitely have like entered a space where like when it comes to the things that i've mastered and the things that i'm good at they look to me and say what do, what do we do and uh, that was always something that was like really important to me was like, I don't want to always be just be leaning on them. I want them to sort of be able to lean on me when they need to. And that sort of became me with like the post-production side of stuff. Like, you know, I obviously, you know, I'm very confident being behind camera, DPing, directing, doing a bunch of stuff, but like where I, my, I think my mastery is, is in post-production video editing. And, uh, I sort of, we sort of molded into this like very fine tuned machine where like, a lot of the directing and initial creative stuff goes through Dan and then it goes into Andrew for like getting it on camera and making sure it looks good. And then it goes through me to like edit and like put out into the world the way we like wanted it to be. And that's kind of like how the machine generally works. All of us are able to do all of that process on our own. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, like the nature of a summit, it's like we don't get to work as a team of three at summit. Like there's a, there's 10 content pieces that are all shot <laughs> from 10 AM to if we're lucky and the players will stay late enough, 10 PM, we split into like groups where it's like one of us is like handling a whole piece on our own. Like two of us are teaming on like the harder piece. And then like we have a schedule like the, and we're supposed to shoot one in four hours and then instantly switch into the next two and switch into the next two. And, and like, this is all on the media uh, day, right? That's always, this is all on the media day. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't require or even really ever ask players to shoot anything with us on days after media day. Cause we want them to be able to focus on the yeah. event. Um, so uh yeah, it's like media day is just like it's just like kinda hell day where 
we're all our team is split up our resources are divided and um we have to get it all done like there's been very rare moments where like we've just had to scrap pieces last minute because we couldn't get them done smash summit 11 was a good example um where we had a whole piece written for leffen and then leffen couldn't come to the event last minute mm -hmm. and so we switched because the idea impeded or like depended on being swedish we switched it to pipsqueak nice and he, he got stuck come, in mexico yeah. <laughs> and then we switched the idea to being about zane yeah. who didn't tell us that him and hbox were going to film hot ones at the end of the day and so we scheduled to shoot them at the end of the day. And then and, and HBox is like, hey, we have to go. And I'm like, wait, you're going? So then we recast them. I'm like, and I'm like, re I'm literally rewriting the script as I'm like <laughs> in the time slot that I'm supposed to be directing the shoot. And then, uh, and then the HBox comes back and is like, oh, I canceled Hot Ones, but I've already oh recasted him. <laughs> and I'm like, now I have to go tell the person I recasted that we're not using him. And I have to scrap the rewritten script. And I have to go back to HBox and be like, okay, we are shooting with you now. Like, it was like miserable. Like, and, th and that was one time where we had a really big idea that we didn't get to do um, because of shit like that happening, which doesn't happen that often because normally players are a little more trained. Yeah. They're a little more, they know when they come on media day, they're there to shoot. Um, but not every esport is like that. Like, we don't really do content for Dota Summit because mm -hmm. the players are so big time. They just like, they just won't do shit mm -hmm. for the most part. Like um, they just tell you no Summit, or, or yeah, they just say no. Huh? They, even though they have signed a contract that says they will come and do content, they just say no. And we sort of like don't force them because you're never gonna get good content out of nah. someone you force to do yeah. it. So we've had we've had players um, in the Dota scene who this has only ever happened in Dota. But we had a player who, uh, like, kicking and screaming, like, actually screaming, refused to do a content piece that we wanted him to be in that was so simple. It was, like, it was going to take him less than an hour. Um, he said, like, I'm not going to do that, like, blah, blah, blah. And, and his whole team is, like, trying to convince him, like, you, like, you signed a contract with our esports org that you would do content. Like, you have to do this. And he was basically threatening to just leave the org entirely oh instead of God. being in our, like, our tiny content piece. And at this point, we're just like, let's just scrap it. Like, it's all good, who cares? guys. It's all whatever. Good. This is going to be a cool like, turn. Whatever. Just <laughs> stay on your team. Fucking oh get God. fifth place at the event or whatever and like, live your life. Like, <laughs> it was so annoying. But wow. that's just like kind of the reality of some of the bigger esports. It's like really hard to get them to do anything because they're so money, right? Like, yeah. like, East, like in Smash, being a content creator is like the end goal, right? Like, it's not even <laughs> like something you do for fun. It's like, like, being the best player in the world will net you infinitely less money than being the most successful content yeah. creator in the space. I just actually thought of that. Holy shit. I can think of so many like League of Legends content creators that probably make fucking bank from just the dude the shit that they make. Who gets who gets more views? The like the best player on TSM's Valorant team going live and playing Valorant or Ludwig playing Valorant? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not even close. It's yeah. Like, the only there's with like the exception there's like, of like tens. yeah. There's like three dudes maybe that like pull those numbers. And and even them, they could be playing not Valorant and yeah. be getting the same amount. Like they are very much content creators in their own right. Um, Fucking simple. And uh, mm -hmm. it's hilarious. Like so for Smash, like they all love doing content, which is mm -hmm. great. And I think that like a lot of them specifically like doing content with BTS because the way that we do stuff, I think like. Mango has like famously said before, he's like, I don't do any content unless it's a BTS because he just likes working with us. And uh, which is great because we like having him in things because it's like instant. Yeah. 
people instantly care about that. Especially piece if he's in especially it. like you guys. I mean, like it's huge around Smash. Like that's you know it's not it's not like from such a foreign place that you're writing the scripts and like these ideas because it's things that you're invested in. Yeah. So that that's yeah. another big part of it. And and Smash stuff has always been the most rewarding too mm-hmm. because uh, the community cares as much as I do. So yeah. when I make something, I know that like people give a shit that about it. Yeah. <laughs> Where frankly, like I can't really say that about other communities. I will I will say because like, I was like Dota doesn't care. I was like looking back because um, Beyond the Summit did do a it was before before COVID a summit for Rocket League, which is another scene yeah. that I'm into. He's and a Rocket League fan. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but I remember that was awesome. Yeah, and it was, and we, everyone, like I, when it was announced, I was like freaking out because I know what summit is, because I've been mm-hmm. watching all of the Smash summits, all they're going on, and my older brother follow, he doesn't follow Smash at all, but he's in Rocket League, and he's like, Beyond the Summit is doing for something for Rocket League. What is that? I'm like, oh my god, that's gonna be so sick. <laughs> and then like seeing those people yeah. getting in and doing these skits and things was like so cool. To see those in the that community was awesome like very unexpected all of them were so fun to work with and like they all really wanted to be in stuff and they were so like um so uh, so that was one of the first events where we didn't have anyone at bts who was super in the community mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. most games we have like someone who like plays that game a lot yeah. and like and it's in tune with like the memes and like what's going on i was the most experienced rocket league player at bts when that event came mm-hmm. and like it's one of my fifth, seventh games yeah. that I play that like I peaked diamond in and like have, I have no idea who the best players yeah. are. Like, so, so we, we very quickly were like, uh, we need to, we need to like work with the community mm-hmm. on the content we write. So we worked with like James bot and like a couple oh, other cool. people to like basically write the stuff. Yeah. And, uh, we also had them present when we directed to sort of oh, like oh, cool. guide, like guide, like, Oh, like we're going to make a call here, but can you please make sure that like, this is funny yeah. <laughs> because we don't know if this is funny or yeah. not. Um, it's really hard to like, cause communities are so sensitive mm-hmm. about um, like as they should be about like the way that they're portrayed. So like if you come into melee, right. And you make a content piece that is like FD Fox only uh, all items on. Ha 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 ha. Everyone's like, damn, this fucking <laughs> yeah. sucks. Like, like this was funny in 2008. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people like aren't really considering that, that people are going to be critical. They just want to contribute to content yeah. creation for their brand. Um, and we're fortunate that like for most esports, we have that. We have people who are like into like Dota, like, you know, BTS was built off love for Dota and that sort of extended into like every game that they started doing was just someone at the company was like into yeah. that game. But then it became like a profitable business model, like do it for more yeah. games. Um, and for Rocket League, it was awesome because like everyone was so amazing there. They were all super into doing content. Um, I think a lot of it came out really good too. Uh, as like you know, sometimes you just get unlucky in like a summit mm-hmm. week. Like I think like CS Summit three was like our week. We had like our at the company. It's like the weakest event we ever done. When like everyone thinks that, um, it's just like random. It just happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think uh, it's awesome when a community and you you see it's funny because like with with Rocket League Summit one, um, they didn't really know who we were. Mm-hmm. But then after that they had after they had their event with us, they were like tweeting at Psionics like, if you guys don't fucking let them do another event, <laughs> that's, like that's blah blah great. blah. I remember There's also what was his there's name? There's also a bunch of melee heads that 
a yeah. play. Um, well, something that like people do not know or think about is that Melee is the only game that every single esport that Summit has ever done has players who play it seriously. Mm-hmm. So like Dota, oh, Counter Strike. Yeah. Rocket League. There was someone yep. at all of those events who was like, "Oh yeah, I I go to locals or I play That's Slippy." So yeah, like yeah. all the time. There's like that. like the Team Liquid Dota team. They're all from Sweden. All of them play melee. Oh shit. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know all of them. Did. And it's like insane. Like 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 Insania, who's like one of the best Dota players in NA on Team Liquid. Like when I when I met him at Dota Summit, he was like, "Oh, I heard you're like the good person at melee here. You want to play me?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, sure." Good. And like and like I obviously am better, but like he is like. He he would not go O two yeah. to local. Yeah. Like, he he is like good yeah. at melee. I, and I was just like so mind blown. I'm like, are you the best like on the team? And he's like, no no no. Like Boxy's a little better than me. <laughs> and I hope play Boxy. And I'm like I'm like, dude, this guy's like a fast fox, <laughs> but he's also one of the best Dota teams in the world. I'm like, this is insane. Like, this is so insane. I remember. Um, um, there is yeah, there's a couple. Um, Yummy Cheeseman, he's from EU, I think. I know he plays melee. Yeah. Um, Leafix used to be a Canadian TO. Oh, yeah, wow. he told me that when I met and him. And I've talked to him on yeah. Twitter a little bit about that and different things. We both knew... What's his name? Dan. Canadian Who? Fox player. Rainex. Rainex. Rainex? Okay. Rainex like, came up at some point, and we like both interacted on things. I was like, wait, you know him? And he's like, yeah. So he like fun. used to come to my events. And then... Yeah, yeah. He told me that when I met him because he was playing like Puff on the setup, and, I, and he like he clearly looked like he could actually play the game. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, you play melee?" He's like, "Oh, I came from melee." Yeah. I'm like, it's so it's like it never surprises me anymore yeah. because uh, there just hasn't been a single game that like people like like even it, like one of the craziest things was like Sonic Fox was like not necessarily good at melee, but Sonic Fox was like playing a shit ton of it when we had Mortal Kombat Summit. Wow, um, and. Uh, it's just like crazy to see like how many people know know about the scene, have experience not only experience playing the game, but like wave dash and like know the tech and know the players and know who Mango is yeah. and all that stuff. When when um, Mango won across every East when Mango won Summit, I was seeing tweets from like very random parts of like Twitter oh, yeah. and I was like, You know about Melee? <laughs> It was. It was. It's it crazy. Was wild. It's crazy how the numbers don't line up, right? Yeah. Like, I think about this a lot, where it's like the the sheer amount of people who like not just know that melee exists, but like know all the players and stuff. And then you see like the the money and the viewership, and you're like, yeah, where are all they? What are they doing all the time? Money portion. Like, if they know money portion's fucking tough. Viewer portion. I mean, now being an adult and to the nine <laughs> to five. I mean, that shit's kind of hard. Like when Dude, our have you ever seen? Have you ever looked at the top ten prize pools in Melee of all time? I, I think like I've summits, like glanced at it before. A lot but, of summit recently. Yeah, it's like nine. It's like it's like nine yeah. summits. Yeah. and it's not to like buff up summit. It's to say that like that's a community yeah. funded event. It, it's little. Like, it's legitimately just like the people putting back into it. And that's but, what the prize yeah, look how yeah, much like, you guys so put out too, though. I think that's another big part of it, though. Is like people have seen because I mean maybe you'll know this. I I couldn't for the life of me i didn't research it that deep but like however much money the first summit was versus obviously the most recent it's like we've seen oh yeah we've seen what you guys put out we've seen how much entertainment comes from this you look at an average tournament yeah it's, that shit's not fucking happening they're not making content pieces we don't get yeah yeah like if we got shit they're like not that, they're not i mean 
BTS was one of the. I mean, think about it, like most tournament organizers are just groups of smashers exactly. that were able to like get a make big venue, a project yeah. get bigger. Mm-hmm. But like BTS is a company. Exactly. Like BTS has a sales team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we can sell ads on events and make actual money doing them, so we can like turn that into an actual product where it's like, you know, I mean, for example, like the experience going to Evo mm-hmm. is like something that I would never trade. Like going to Vegas with all these people I can't see otherwise because they live across the world is like an amazing experience, even though like Evo itself is like a terrible tournament. Yeah. Um, but like at the end of the day, like, a, a, you know, an event like, uh, like the big house yeah. was just a tiny event that like was able to grow because it was successful. Whereas like BTS was like, Oh, smash is a thing. We have all these other successful events that we are a company that runs like, let's just go into this scene. Yeah. Let's like make good stuff here. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm quitting so I can say whatever I want, <laughs> but I'm like I'm like happy to be to like say like to the, the to the last day all the people there are people who like very intimately care about every scene that we get involved in mm-hmm. and are not just setting out to like do a summit because it's profitable. Honestly, a lot a lot of summits aren't profitable. Like like not like melee, like those are obviously profitable, but like but like Rocket League Summit 1 was in the red for sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, I I remember looking A lot of it is Oh sorry, sorry, I didn't cut you off. No, go ahead. I'm always going to say was like a lot of it is just sort of wanting to make a contribution to that scene and also wanting to grow in that scene, like make bigger, better things than everyone else is making. Um, And, you know, I think you have to get pretty lucky in esports to not just be surrounded by people who are like, all right, how do we make a thing that gets investor money that makes us rich so that we can stop doing this and like travel forever? (laughs) That's like most people in esports, like what they're trying to do is like, how can we essentially get big enough to to sell out? Yeah. Um, And I mean, BTS is still like entirely owned by the owners and has no investors and it's like wow profitable like like there I can't name other esports uh broadcast companies that are in the green and have no investors no way yeah <laughs> so it's very you know LD like uh one of the owners is just like a monster workhorse like in the office a hundred like 24 hours a day at main stage LD who's like the owner of BTS and can very very easily be at home watching the event on Twitch and not thinking about anything else was like setting up all the chairs and like, <laughs> and like moving gear and like asking like, Hey, do you need help setting up lights? And like, he's like just one of those dudes who is just always doing something that makes BTS moving forward, uh, which made it really easy for me to feel motivated working yeah. there to like always want to try really hard because there's just no one around me not trying hard. I don't want to be the guy who's just lazy out of everyone. I worked at Starbucks and couldn't even get my goddamn manager to come out and help me open. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? You got the owner of the goddamn company helping <laughs> yeah, set up chairs. Yeah, he's a beast. That is not something that is common, but he's a he's a complete beast. I've I've never had a boss anywhere like close to him. Uh even though he's not like directly, he's like mm-hmm. the owner, but uh he's just like a monster. Did you have a point you wanted to make Drew? I I was going to Well, bring uh, I was up. I was just thinking about like the different summits and things. Cause I mean, melee, a lot of the funds come, Hey, we want to get these players in rocket league. Like everyone was set teams were like invited. And I remember, cause I was someone who's always watching the melee things. Like how were they going to get money? Cause no one ever can <laughs> contributes money for like rocket league. It's not a grassroots thing. Every single like tournament circuit, these leagues are yeah. just the league. And then it was like for the, for the community, it was like, wait, they like, want us to pay money for this 
Which, is it the game dev that normally supplies it? Yeah, I'm, yeah, Psionics. Psionics puts Rocket out League. like puts out shells out for these events. And like there's sponsorships. And so they and, like, didn't get... for Summit. Uh, yeah, so so, kid... so it's it's funny, like sometimes the developer gives you money. Okay. And sometimes the developer just says, We'll let you do this and, and not take it down. <laughs> and that's what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to say who did what, <laughs> when, but, who spilled um, the beans, but, uh, there has definitely been many times where the developer has given us no money, but has also said things like, but you can't sell shirts like you usually do. And you can't do compendiums and you can't do this and you uh, can't do that. Um, wow. so yeah. we're like, all right, well, prize pool is coming out of company funds. Jeez. And we're paying everyone at a company funds and the prize pool is company funds. And like, like, and there's no, like the only way to make money is for the stream to be huge and that will make money, but will it put us in the green? Who knows? Like that has definitely happened before. Um, And LD is just someone who like super believes that like losing money on the first iteration of a project is normal and that it's in your goal is to make money on the second version of it. And that's the same thing that happened with main stage. Main stage didn't make money the first Mm -hmm. time. Um, and we knew it wouldn't when we, before we did it, like we, we, we agreed to do it without, with knowing it would be in the red. And his thing was just like, this is so that main stage two can make money. Mm-hmm. And main stage two was more than double the size, I think. And this is obviously influenced by COVID, mm-hmm. but, um, main stage two was like a very successful event for sure. And, uh, I remember like. The first main stage, it was just like, oh shit, like we are spending so much money to do an event for like 600 people or whatever in Melee. Um, I can't remember how many people were totally there, but uh, this one was like 2,000 people. Yeah. And wow. uh, it was crazy. It was crazy how much bigger it was able to go. And like we, we had a much bigger room in the venue and we filled it. And uh, yeah, very sick that BTS is sort of built that way from the ground up rather than just like our company philosophy is like always work hard, but like no one actually gives a shit. Cause I've definitely worked other places that that's kind of the mentality. It's like, you know, boss makes a nickel. I make a dime or whatever, <laughs> or a uh, dollar. I make a dime. And uh, it's not really like that. Yeah. I do. You know, I would, I do wish that like everyone at that company was making more money for sure. Cause sure. everyone works so hard, but um, capitalism is a hard, hard bitch to beat, but you know, I mean, every every little bit yeah i mean my time there was just something i would never ever trade like and if i honestly if i before i quit i asked if there was a way for me to work less but stay i didn't want to leave um leaving was my last option for sure if i could add 40 hours to every day i would just continue working at bts um but i basically got to a point where i had this huge opportunity to like all right the yard is like instantly pretty big Mm -hmm. and like the patreon is like making way more than i make at bts (laughs) and uh i am now comfy like i i can sort of i have like the capital to sort of do what i want and like set out to do the projects at the scale that i want um and this is a job that i am purely doing because i love it at this point um so what does that mean at first I i was like that just means that i make more on top and i still get to do what i love that's great but then it got to a point where it was like Ludwig's like sort of saying like, well, what if you did this over here for me? Or what if you did this over here for me? And I'm like, those things sound more like stuff I want to be doing. And 
I got to a point where like I was like, all right, yeah, I'll do that, but I'm not gonna leave BTS. Yeah. And so I would like I was just saying yes to everything, and then I got to a point where I was like, I am too busy. Like, I I have like completely stopped playing video games. All these other things that I like that are not work, just I don't do anymore. And you can only like there's like the trifecta is like it's like having relationships romantically and normally and then it's like work and then yeah. and then it's like hobbies combined with like sleep mm-hmm. yep. hobbies and sleep fucking went away like entirely and then i didn't really even have time to have my relationship uh but i was like well i'm not gonna end it so that's just suffering mm-hmm. and then i come down to like work and it's like that is 120 percent of my time yeah. and it was just too much and I think I've never hit a point where I actually thought it was too much. Like I've been like sort of grinding like that for a while now, but I finally hit a point where I was like, I think this is like unhealthy. You can now. only drive on a like, flat. I'm crossing so the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it was just it was going over the line. Where it was like affecting my relationships. It was affecting my personal mental health, my physical health, and I was like, I need to make a change. And I kind of laid out everything, and I was like, Well, am I gonna quit the yard? That seems dumb. Mm-hmm. Like that something that's so successful and has so much promise and like so much potential. Like, why would I quit that? Like, I'm not going to quit that. It's like, well, do I quit all the stuff I'm doing with mogul moose? I don't want to, I don't want to be the only one not working together with my friends in that capacity. And like a lot of the stuff that we're working on is really cool. And I want to see where it can go. It has, it has like such a, so many more question marks ahead of it. Well, the only thing left is BTS (laughs) and I don't want to quit that either, but I sort of had a long conversation with my boss where he was originally trying to keep me and like sort of saying like, well, what can we do to keep you? What can we do? Like, can we give you less hours? Can we switch you into part time? Can we like whatever? And then he eventually got to a point where he was just like, I think you should go do this. And you, you need to just listen to me say it now and not listen to me later when I say come back. And you need to just like go do it because it's an opportunity you only have once and like you're dumb if you don't take it. And yada, yada, yada. And like, I will figure it out. Like, I will find someone else. Like, yada, yada. Um, which is kind of my tipping point. Like, when he was the one who was sort of pushing me mm-hmm. to do this, um, that's when I felt more confident saying, okay, let's do it. Um, because at the time, I I didn't come to him to quit. I came to him to talk it out. I came to him to tell him, hey, I feel terrible all the time. Uh, how do we fix that? <laughs> and he was kind of just time like, for some therapy? yeah, your only option is to, to quit. <laughs> um, yeah. I, when, I was, when I was at a point where I was just like, there are not enough hours in my day to have a therapist. I was like, I need to quit something. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not going to be good. That's not going to be good in the yeah. long term. We're going to have a lot of... And, you know, I'm not complaining because like, I definitely took on all the work. Like I said yes to all these projects. This is my doing. But I just bit off way more yeah. that I can chew. But I want to contribute to all these things. Mm-hmm. And even after leaving BTS, I still plan on getting contract hired to come in and do summit events so like my influence there is going to sort of remain hopefully uh, if they decide to hire me um, into the future which is like i think likely mm-hmm. because our crew is so refined but um but yeah you know it's very likely that one day they hire someone who well they're gonna have to replace me yeah so they replace me and that person hopefully is sick and that and that person hopefully like is able to contribute equally or more than i can and you know there's a possibility they don't need me anymore and uh that reality is like the only really big thing that haunts me now is like the idea of no longer working with my crew and being forced to build a new one 
with people who don't think that way. Like, like working with them is that like we are like Andrew is my left arm and Dan is my right arm. Like it, it, we are so like, we don't talk about things anymore when we're on set. No one's like directly saying things. We're just doing things. Yeah. And I, now I'm like, fuck man. Like I don't have that anymore if I leave. And that was like a big part of it. It's like, I, I, I have the, I'm going to have the opportunity through the stuff I'm doing with mogul to like take on some huge clients and do some really big shoots, bigger budget than I'm doing there, honestly. Um, but I'm not going to have the crew. Like I have to build that. And it's like, that is the most daunting part for sure is, Oh fuck. I'm alone. And now when I don't know what to do, I'm not turning to someone and saying, what do we do? Everyone's turning to me and saying, what we're do we turning do? to the 15 year olds on YouTube. That's where we're going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We've come like, full circle. I, I'm just going back to fucking Google being my sensei and like trying to fucking make things work, which is like what everyone you think is cool is sure. doing. Like what I've learned is like everyone I think is cool is just like, Googling. Oh yeah. I don't know how that works. Let me just figure it out right yep. now. And they go figure it out and they do it. And they're like, all right, I get it now. I don't know. I mean, with the, without I, I, over fanboying or, or anything like that, I don't know. After, after a good, almost, almost two hours of talking with you, I mean, just from things I've learned about you and, things that we may have talked about in the past or that I've seen from you as far as production. I mean, if there's anyone I could see doing it at, at 25, I mean, shit, like you're rocking through with it and you seem committed to it. You got the, (laughs) the effort. Nah, fuck that. Fuck. I hope so. You got it. It's get rid of the, get rid of the thought of, and just stay on the path of, I will, you know, no more with the, I try do the, I will. But, um, yeah, that's the mentality I try to keep, <laughs> even though I just said, I try. Yeah, you, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's all good. There's only so many hours in a day. Yeah, you just and... said you don't have the therapist yet. We got, we got time. Off. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, well, see me with Adderall. I'm, oh fucking, I'm making He's feature film with Adderall. Him with it. <laughs> um, well, as I was saying, I mean, I know we're, we're kind of getting long into this one here. I don't know if, if you've got things going on. I know we're getting later on East coast time. Um, I did want to get closer to wrapping it up here. I had like spitball questions, just like quick ones. And Joe, sure. if you have I any can be, as I well. can be frank. Um, if you want to throw any out, I know. First one, I just wanted to just kind of lunge out there. I'm a tattoo addict. I, I really do want to aim for more in my life. I just got a new one and I'm hoping for more as that progresses. But I've seen one on you for the longest time. And it's the one on your arm that goes all the way down onto your hand. My sleeve. What is it? Is it yeah. just design? Is there <laughs> meaning behind that? Or better yet, any of the tattoos? Because you got a finger one that has like some numbers. Yeah. So well, the finger, it says 23.976, which yep. is like the frame rate that like most films are made in. Uh, but uh, me and everyone on, at the, on the team at BTS have the same one. I was wondering. We just decided one day was. we were like, yeah, we were like, I can't remember. We like just finished some event or something and we were just like, what if we all just went and got tattooed together? <laughs> And we were like, oh, that'd be so hard. Like if, if we were like a crew that all had the same tattoo, like that would be so sick. And we just immediately went and did it. Um, yeah, I'm very happy we did that. Uh, even though like mine healed it. like shit and like whatever. Um, I, it's funny. It, it healed really bad. And uh, I was like, I actually want to keep it that way. Because I feel like it's so symbolic of Grainy and us work. as a crew. Or like that. we're so like haphazardly thrown together. And like a lot of the stuff we do is like not polished and like very rough and uh, I was like, yeah, I want to keep it that way. But my sleeve, um, I want, so this is like, I'm going to make this a, sh- a short story, but it's kind of a long one. Uh, when I was 16, my sister had gotten a tattoo and she's a little older than me. And my mom like cried. And, uh, I was like, 
damn, I want to get a tattoo now because my sister got a tattoo, but I'm only 16. That's like impossible. Um, in California, you can't get a tattoo under the age of 18, even with parental. Same in New York. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my brother had a sketchy friend who tattooed. <laughs> That's a great and start. I convinced, I convinced my mom to let me get one if she got it with me. So like she would get a matching one. So like anything I got had to be one that she would also get. And she liked the idea of sharing one with me. It was weird. Um, but we did that. And I got a matching tattoo with my mom when I was 16 and instantly became the coolest kid in school. Cause I had a tattoo and like, I lived in like a fucking like, like super rich white neighborhood oh, yeah. where like no one had fucking tattoos. So like, <laughs> who's this uh, kid? Not that my, not that like my family was like super rich and whatever, but uh, that's the school I went to. And uh, I was like the only person who had a tattoo. And I was like, Oh shit. And I turned 17 you know when you get one you're just like oh, all right yeah. i just want much tattoos now um so i got when i turned 17 i was like i want to get a sleeve started oh okay. um and i was like well i can't, i literally am not gonna go back to that guy because at that's at this point i'd like sort of gotten to like tattoo collecting and like started seeing like a lot better artists and i was everyone hates their first one and i was just like damn i got a shitty tat first tattoo that sucks um yeah not everyone depends how educated you get on your first try i had to um, wait but, so i took all the time i could <laughs> yeah 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 i definitely rushed it I um, don't blame but me. uh i was like where's the closest state i can get a tattoo legally with parental permission because at this point my parents were like he got one whatever so the closest to me was montana so i was like all right who is the best artist in montana and i looked up like best tattoo artist montana and i found this dude named jake and uh, I, I messaged him telling him about like what I wanted to do. And we got on a call and I like really meshed with him on the call. And um, I went and I started my sleep with him. And at first I was like, I know exactly what I want. Like, all right. It was all symbolic and like whatever. And looking back, it's corny, but like, I don't really think about it. Like I was like, all right. So like me, my brother and my sister's like initials together are DNA. So I want to do like this whole like DNA strand thing, like going up my arm and like I want to like turn those into plants and I want to do this and that all these ideas. Um, and he's like, yeah, for sure. So he draws out what I was saying. And I'm like, yeah, this looks great. Let's do it. So like, I have like, like a bunch of like geometry and then like, these are like DNA strands and they like turn into like cherry blossoms. And then there's like birds everywhere. And like, he had logic for why there was birds in there. Okay. And as you go up my arm, um, this is when I was getting older. And I was less interested in picking my own tattoos and more interested in finding artists that I like and letting them choose. Okay. And so the rest of my sleeve, I just kind of told him where I was at in life and like sort of the mentality. Um, and like part of this mentality, it's like kind of like it's a little edgy, but like I like to think it's a, it was a little more pretty the way I was thinking about it was uh, sort of like coming to this realization of like being sort of religious when I was younger because of like my my neighbors at the time sort of like indoctrinating me into okay. it. And then um, breaking out of that and sort of realizing that, like, you know, you're allowed to think life's beautiful without there being, like, mysticism or magic yeah. to it. Um, and uh, I sort of just told him, like, that's where I've arrived in my life is, like, feeling like I want to still believe that life is beautiful without that, like, you know. I think there's, like, some Nietzsche quote that's, like, kindergarten not be beautiful without believing there's fairies under it or something. Um, and... Uh, so I told him all that and I was just like, but do whatever you want. I have no specific thing I want. And so then the rest of my sleeve is just him doing whatever he wanted. Um, so I have like this woman and I have like a big skull inside and like all this shit. Um, and pretty much all the rest of my tattoos are the exact same thing from there from then on out. I basically just went to artists I liked and said, do whatever you want. Um, 
so a lot of it is just shit i didn't choose okay um because yeah I was... with the exception of like i have a big portrait of like andre 3000 on my leg <laughs> um i haven't that, that seen I chose. that one i wasn't gonna be able to bring yeah i'm i'm pretty covered honestly uh i i want i want to continue but i want to finish my sleep first so oh so it's not even that's not it. even done yet no it's not done no i have i started when i was 17 and i'm 25 and it's wow. not done wow. i've had i think six sessions oh my god and i need i need how long eight. are your sessions eat oh man oh god <laughs> uh my longest was 12 hours fucking hell I mean, it and looks my great. Shortest, so it's hard to. My shortest was six. Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, uh, I hate because it's so far away that when I travel there, I hate. Like, I want to get the most amount done I can. I mean, that answers the question. So I'm, all, I'm always yeah. just like, I was going to say, do you keep going? I'm always back just to like, me? I'm like, just keep going. Yeah. Like, you get, you hit a certain point with the tattoo where it's like you're four or five hours into a session. It's just. Oh numb. yeah, you don't feel anything. It, After the first hour. It doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. I mean, the worst. But I will say that the 12-hour session, like when we had to take a lunch break, yeah. uh, it, probably the most tattoos ever hurt was after lunch, coming back and then starting again. Oh, okay. When your tattoo is like trying to heal. Yeah. And like, it's like, oh, we're done doing it. Cool. I'm going to start healing now. And then you just like go right back on it. That was probably the worst it's ever hurt. So far, I'm just like that part, like right where it's on, like where it yeah. ends. Like that area was so far like the worst I've felt, and that was even after yeah the I have um of numb so I'm just like what the f-? yeah you I have like, colored so you're fucking I have a woman's here. elbow where my elbow is <laughs> like not- and oh, it I can just be like yeah like the elbow was the worst part yeah <laughs> it's like her elbow uh it's a yeah I'm pretty covered honestly I haven't gotten any th- I have to get this Patreon tattoo I don't know if you guys know <laughs> I, about that I, yeah um, I did see the. It's yeah, Sonic, that's right? gonna be fucking something because the ideas are horrible. I'm, um, but I'm excited. I don't really at this point. My my body is a fucking wasteland, so <laughs> I I could not care yeah. anymore. I, th- I think you tweeted out some like ideas that people had or something, and maybe you did it from the yard Twitter. I was like, oh man, but almost wrapping it, dude. Oh, it's like sorry. it's like it's like one of them is just like a pig shitting on its own balls, <laughs> and I'm like, I hope that does yeah, not win. Right? You know. A little bit more than fun that. one to bring up at the holiday table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now I have to do this before you guys air this because then people will just choose it. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I don't think we're getting that much coverage that the yard Patreon community is now gonna shift their spot. It only takes one person to post it. In there our you display. go. <laughs> Possible. Uh, but wrapping up with the Twitter, you have that illustrious Falco tag. Has anyone reached out to you mm-hmm. trying to acquire this from you? Oh yeah, all the time. You get like offers. You get like highest bidder. People yeah, come I'm actually curious. Yeah, people people bidder. offer me a ton of money. I think someone offered me like like seven grand or something. What? Holy shit! That's, honestly, that I, I was, was like, expecting more. Nah. Really? I was expecting way more. Yeah, I don't get like a normal. I, I, I a lot of people who who reach out to pay don't say a number. So yeah. who yeah. knows what they're willing to pay? But the only the biggest number I've gotten is like around there, and I'm like, uh, whatever. Like I just like that I have it. I don't need money for it unless you're gonna say like I'll give you, you know, 200k. I'm like, yeah. all right, that's that's worth it. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, even then, I'd have to yeah. like think about it. It's like, it's just cool that I have it. Like it, it I I'm set. Like I don't need to think about money yeah. at the moment. So like I can just sort of, can like this is actually my same philosophy with my CS:GO knife. What do like, you have? I have like a CS:GO knife. And uh, it's not like super expensive. It's like four hundred bucks. It's like a Bowie Doppler. Oh, okay. 
and uh and i'm like i could sell this and make 400 dollars because i do not play counter-strike anymore or i could just always have a cool knife and every time i do sign on to play counter-strike i'll just always have it i care more about that than 400 dollars, even though i could make 400 dollars from a virtual knife Mm -hmm. right now you buy it or unbox it i unboxed it that's got sentimental too. Then there you go. If you, exactly. if you just bought it, it's kind of like, well, no, fuck. Yeah. I've cracked, I've cracked two knives and one of them was like the ugliest safari mesh knife. I yeah. instantly sold it for a hundred bucks and cracked like a bunch more cases. You got your second one. I, I got, no, I got my first one first, oh, but, okay. uh, Damn. very hype. Cracking up your first knife in Counter-Strike. It's a vibe. It's unforgettable. It's, a vibe. It, it's just yeah. really sad when it's a gut knife safari mesh and you fucking want to scream. It, but. It was the first thing that made me understand NFTs when people were like, I was like, all right, I get it. I really like this fucking yeah. knife and I think it's cool and it doesn't exist. So I get it. I actually, not to like totally devote, I, I bought like one of those, uh, I don't know if back when you played Counter-Strike, I'm sure it was around the same era as me here. Uh, you ever heard of Tactical Knives? Did you hear of that company? Yeah. I bought one of their knives. It was a, it was a flip <laughs> knife, but it was lore. So it like had the little pattern along the blade of it. Oh, I loved cool. it. I accidentally brought it with me to Canada. Oh. So when we had to cross back <laughs> over state line or after the country lines, I forgot I had it. So I had to dump it. I was so sad I lost that. But that is heartbreaking. You know, Canada, there's a there's a fucking flip knife lore somewhere in your area. Go find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, it is yeah, it is getting late here. Dude, it has been such a pleasure to actually get to have you on here. I cannot thank you enough for being legitimate in your fucking Twitter ad to literally just <laughs> ask to be on a podcast and responding. Yeah, as you do. I, would, I mean, I got a shit ton of messages from that. Amen. And like, to be honest, I kind of just like went through them and was like, who do I know? Fair. And like, I remembered you because of the Fortnite tournament you did. Um, And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like supposed to be in his like Fortnite thing with Shab a long time ago or whatever. And then I was like, all right, recognizable name. That's enough for me. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, was it not from the, the scribbly O victory I had over you? The one the one victory in the content creators discord. It was. Oh, that happened. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there was. Uh, you've, you've bridged. You've bridged multiple multiple memories. Now for me. <laughs> we have crossed paths before. But no, that's, that is so funny. I actually I forgot that you were going to be Shab's partner. I just remember it was uh, I think it was Kevin. Uh, Pew you I think they ended up teaming from what I remember with that. Yeah, game. and they were, I mean, I was terrible at Fortnite, so it's probably true. a way better team. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was one of those games that I never gave the. I only played because my friends played, and I was like, yeah, I just dropped Tomato Town and fucking <laughs> click heads. Not going to lie, it sucked it. me back in. The game is kind of fun to just fuck around with if you're not putting your brain into it. I don't know. Yeah, Aiden's Aiden's little brother is like a semi pro player. Go. <laughs> um, he, he switched to Valorant, oh, but um, yeah. he was like a really good, like, uh, Fortnite player and so like when he started playing Valorant with us one day I was just like yo let's play Fortnite yeah, I want to yeah. see how good you are so like I so I queued with him and I hadn't played in like like two years or something and I'm just like alright everyone is way too everyone good knows like, how building to is like everything is so fast everyone's shield dropping dude like it's crazy <laughs> like that game is like Everyone, that game is not fun as a casual anymore. Everyone double edits. Everyone fucking nineties up to fucking rooftops. Everyone cones. I know how to fucking. I know how to make ramps and put walls under them, <laughs> and then make more ramps with walls under them. And that, that was my one trick back in the day, and that was enough when you I do played. The, the click, 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 click. You do that. The, the turbo. I, well, I just hold once and oh, then I like can. roll it around. Okay. I was like, do you know about the turbo build? That's the. I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah, think yeah. How far I'm not like a complete. You know. <laughs> I approach games the right way usually. I remember a quick thing I'll end on, yeah. I guess, is like 
I'm, I'm like good buddies with Shab, and I remember he was telling me like he's like really good at Fortnite, and I was like, oh, it's sick, yeah. And he's like, he was like, here, here, let's let's, let's like do build fights. I'll like show you. We did those, and we're playing, and he was like, all right, just try to kill yep. me. He's like, I'm not gonna try to kill you. Just try to that kill me. That is how me. he trained me. And we, I spent like an hour trying to get to him in a tower that we're building in. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't touch him. Yeah, and I feel yeah, like was... I feel like we've probably done the same thing. Me yeah, trying to get to you because we would like well, try to do like a one v one. He's like, wait, I'm just like. Destroyed. Shab's you. a bu- Shab's a bully though. He would he would pickaxe me and make me feel bad about it back when back when I was trying to train with him. And then eventually it just it got to a point where I'm like, yeah, this isn't we've, good. We've always had like we've always had like like a pseudo gaming rivalry. Not super serious. Him and Mangos is like way more serious. Oh, yeah. But like yeah. uh the first time that um I met him was he was staff at a summit event. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was like pretty new to Summit as a staff member. It's like Smash Summit Seven, I think. And uh, he came up to me and he was like, yo, like I hear you play Melee. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm I'm the best staff member <laughs> at Melee. He's got a good Falgo. And I was like, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm like the best like at BTS. And he's like, he's like, no, that's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm like including BTS. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's play, dude. This is so sh- and I fucking, I washed his dumb ass. <laughs> and uh and from there, he was always hitting me up like, yo, let's get games and let's play. And then he would like play me every game he takes. He's like, oh man, like he like talk shit. Uh, yeah, but I haven't, I literally have not. I, I recently hit up Shab because I needed to like ask him something. And I looked at our last DM and it was me saying, hey man, I miss you. Like hoping you can hang out soon. And it was the week before COVID. <laughs> wow. Wow. The last time I spoke wow. to him was saying I hadn't seen him in a while the week before COVID. And uh, I didn't talk to him the whole entire COVID. I didn't talk wow. to him the whole pandemic. Wow. So I recently connected with him again, and I'll, I'll probably see him really soon. Fuck yeah. But uh, send him. It was send crazy. Him my hellos. It was so we, crazy. We always post a little, uh, a little forty or like a throwback of we miss Shab in the in the penthouse on his Discord, and we always post a little <laughs> we miss you Shab. But no, that's that's so funny to actually mention him in that. He deserves the shout out. Always, always love to Shab. But, uh, yeah, Shab rules. Shab does rule. Maybe that's what we'll title this episode: just Shab rules. <laughs> so that Shab rules. It's gonna yeah. make no sense to anyone until they get to the very end, and they're just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but it's so funny. Like, not that, not that this is bad or wrong, but it's so funny that like we we finished out this entire episode and did not talk about like the yard once. I, I yeah, I kind of, and maybe <laughs> I'll I'll take full responsibility on this here because I don't want to. I don't. Wanna, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's oh, fun. It's not what I expected. I was gonna kind of mention that to him. I mean, this is the podcasts that I've done in the past. They're they're supposed to be focused on the person themselves. And I mean, fuck, I could I could take an hour or two out of the day and talk to you about like, oh, what's it like living with love? What's it like working at the yard? It's like as much as that is probably a lot of really great interesting content to to get to understand about you that's not you though that's not who is yeah who yeah is and i do I, f- I can definitely appreciate mm-hmm. like not just being asked about ludwig all yeah. the time yeah because that definitely it, most not in person it's like not really a thing in person that happens but my dms oh yeah. boy is that shit full of people like yo i love your videos and i'm like thanks man so what's and they're like say hi to lud for me <laughs> and i'm like all right well Eat shit. And then, and then, and then slime comes in with the block. <laughs> well, slime's been doing yeah, that since yeah. day one. That's he's just merciless. He'll block someone for a compliment, like that that they actually want him to read. That shit fucking killed me when I when I've talked to him about that shit too. But 
anyway uh no of course and i i think i've gotten to learn a lot more about you than than i definitely even knew in the past just from any interactions from the content creators discord i had i had like thoughts and predispositions this guy's just he's funny he's a good editor i mean he won a mogul money like this guy he's got it he's got a background <laughs> behind him so yeah. uh, it's part of my legacy i didn't even think about that <laughs> game show game show expert <laughs> valorant legend truly no i mean i had it written down man's hit immortal back in the day that was that was an incredible feat <laughs> so i mean shit he's he's got a lot behind him so it's definitely something we wanted to learn more about and uh i don't know i mean when it gets to this point at the end you know it's it's probably the same spiel that you give on like any podcast roll out the red carpet you can shout out whatever you want where the people find you this the socials have been running i know you told me the the twitter's the only one you're active on really but Fuck it, we got the other ones in yeah. there. Get you some views on the on the YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even open those channels anymore. Okay. But I mean, yeah, it's Envy Nick. Check out the yard if you are not already checking out the yard. And uh, I quit my job, <laughs> so I'm probably gonna be doing other shit soon. I don't know what that is, or what it looks like, or how much it'll cost me, but it's coming. And uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to shout out besides that. Go uh go check out all my friends. Nice. That's about it. <laughs> I mean follow him follow him on Twitter at least. I imagine that's where you're gonna You can't you can't forget the at. It's tonight. a nice and easy one. Yeah, no. Yeah, it is unforgettable. And for the love of fucking the, God, don't, don't call see him, him Falco. Person and say, Hey Falco. God, don't call him. Because that is just the worst. <laughs> oh, wait. You got a favorite four square ball? You post a bunch of different four square balls on your Twitter. Which one's your favorite? They're they're all the same brand, uh, the Dick Sporting Goods Super High Bounce Ball or the Dick Sporting Goods High Bounce Ball. Okay, I will keep that in they, mind. They make they make them in a bunch of different formats. Like some are basketball, some are soccer balls, some are like like football teams. I didn't know if like you had but, one that's just this is the Nick Ball. This is no, I have a oh they're in my car, ball. but uh, I just literally. Went to Dick Sporting Goods and was like, "Do you guys have like racquetballs?" And they're like, "We have these." And I was like, "Oh, cool!" And I got one of those, and I was like, "Oh, this is the perfect ball." So now I just went and bought like a fuck ton of them. Nice. And those are just the ones that we use. Good looks. Well, what better way to close it out than that? <laughs> Hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, this episode of the Flavor of the Month from the Baker's Dozen. It was a pleasure, Drew. You were you are always a pleasure as my partner and guest, Nick. It was awesome to get to talk to you here today um yeah tune in next week i don't even remotely know what the fuck we're gonna talk about then but this was uh this was just a blast as it was and we will see y'all in the next one peace out and goodbye goodbye goodbye